Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcast in Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with another episode of, and it's about Star Wars, and it was initially going to just be a Star Wars Rogue One review, but we've taken too long to just do a Rogue One review, and so much other Star Wars stuff has happened right now, I am calling this the Star Wars Extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's, uh... That's an extravagant on a budget right there, that's for sure. I mean <laughs> We only have party poppers from the last New Year's, not twenty not twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen, twenty fifteen into twenty sixteen. And they were left out in the rain. It's kinda of like those kids who've made like a shot for shot remake of Raiders of Lost Ark on videotape and stuff <laughs> like that. Like that's what this kind of is, trying to do Star Wars on a budget, like that kind of uh, fanfare right there. But as you can tell, I have guests with me. Who is with me today? Dakota Wigan. Wow, don't be so happy about it. I'm going to contain my enthusiasm. <laughs> Robert Effinger is here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so let's jump into this Star Wars Dravaganza right now. <laughs> the biggest blow to Star Wars nerds that have happened over the past couple of weeks is the passing of Carrie Fisher. And so I think we, I think it'd be, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about her, uh, Carrie Fisher's life, what she meant to us as a role model, as a character of Princess Leia and everything like that. Now, who wants to begin? Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I remember the day that, happened two days after christmas yes so i mean i was at work i was doing my afternoon walk when i forget it was either you who told me or i found out through some news source that carrie fisher passed away mm-hmm. and i almost couldn't believe it yeah uh i mean we all knew that she had pretty much a heart attack on like a plane ride from uh, going to california mm-hmm. so she had to be rushed to the hospital but for what it sounded like initially it sounded like she was like in like she's like stable condition stable condition stable but critical yeah so it's like okay so the chances are if she's like in a hospital like okay then she's probably surrounded by the best that there is yeah and then you find out that she passed away and it was like oh god and you kind of just felt a little hollow Mm. because it's like oh that's one of those figures that just like if you were expecting anyone to die first, you were expecting Harrison Ford to kick the bucket. Yeah. But, yeah, but, I mean, you knew, I knew, we all knew that Carrie Fisher had her issues. She had drug problems, alcohol problems, she had mental illness, she just was not a, in good shape. But we all fell in love with her as Princess Leia because it was that first time we ever saw, like, an actual, like, princess character. Like, being this spunky, likable character that's not just some damsel in distress. Right. And, I mean, a lot of characters, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, like, the rest of these podcasts, you kind of figure that 
besides Tim and Nikki and whoever else I would like accusing me of being a woman hater, I've always been for strong female characters. And I don't know. The, I think you and the little rascals with your he-man woman hating. <laughs> he-man crush. No, but, uh, no, but a lot of that comes from all that the, that was more manly than most of the he-man cartoons, he by the man. way. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you, don't you dare. Do not, do not. No, no. I knew exactly where you're going with your he-man references. And you're not going to do it here. Oh, anyway, no. um, but yeah, so all my like really like all strong female characters kind of bases from Princess Leia and Carrie yeah. Fisher's performance as Princess Leia because she was one of those strong female characters that you just couldn't help but like and admire mm-hmm. and feel jealous that Harrison Ford gets to like make out with her. Yes. Being interrupted by C-3PO. Yes. Constantly. That fucking cock block. <laughs> Glora the cock blocker. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it was. I think for me, it, it hit harder because you, you, you we heard she was in the hospital. Okay, she's a heart attack. Well, it's not unheard of nowadays, and she was stabilized. But then the flip around from she's stable to oh no, now she's passed away like that. Because in my mind, I was like, ah, oh, she's fine. Like she'll recover, get out of the hospital, she'll laugh it off, be good to go. Um, but yeah, it's the turnaround, the sudden decline in health that I, I think uh, hit me the hardest, and it also it didn't help that. Over the past couple of weeks before that, I had been accidentally consuming a lot of content with Carrie Fisher in it. I was rereading the Thrawn trilogies. I, I happened to just come across the Thread Rock episode she was in. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go watch the Blues Brothers again. Like, all these things were happening, coalescing around the same time. So she was definitely, like, present in my life in some way, mm-hmm. more so than normal. And, you know, it's – to me, Carrie Fisher has always felt like the ambassador of the original Star Wars team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she was very forward-facing. She always gave the best interviews. Yeah. And so, yeah, she just seemed like the voice of that, of those, that original group. And it's just, uh, it's just really a shame that she's no longer going to be able to do that for us anymore. It's funny that you mentioned Blues Brothers. Somebody actually, I, I just saw the video this evening. Somebody took the music from the car chase when they go driving through, driving through the mall and everything and being chased mm-hmm. by the cops. And put that under the Batman Begins Batmobile Tumblr chase. <laughs> so it's like the Tumblr's crushing uh, Chicago cop cars, like hopping rooftops, everything like that. Hilarious. And I always loved Carrie Fisher in that as the eventual fiance of John Blue. She tried to kill him the entire time with yeah. rocket launches, flamethrowers, M16s, and TNT, and so much more. Um, and I. And just like you two, Carrie Fisher has been so, been so much a part of my life because Star Wars has been part of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's one of the earliest movie memories I have, along with like Wizard of Oz. So like Judy Garland and like and Carrie Fisher have always been part of me as being a film fan. And seeing her as the as a woman, but also a very uh, uh, takes no crap from anybody, and like very outgoing and stuff like that. I mean. Hell, without her, they wouldn't have gotten out of the detention center in New Hope. Nope. Because nobody was think- smart enough to go down the uh, garbage chute or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then how did she progress in the other two movies? And then, and of course, then I, of course, I have two old sisters and my mom. They were very like, aggressive, very outgoing. So, like, so I saw that reflected in my own life. And so I'm like, oh, so that's the kind of like strong woman. Like that's what strong. That's like that's my kind of how I identify women. It's like, oh, just very strong, powerful people. And everything like that. And when the news uh, broke that she had the heart attack on the plane, I was like, all right, at least she got to the hospital. At least she's stable. At least she 
is see, seeking like help and everything like that. And like you said, he's kind of like, oh, probably the best doctors in the world are probably are dealing with this right now. So I think everything should be fine. And then just the all of a sudden. She's gone, and then followed by her mother passing away the next day, or Debbie Reynolds, yeah, and then it's like, ah. Oh. I forgot about that. Jesus. And. That, that was just sad. And then, like, one of the. I forget where I saw it. I think somebody took a video of it. It was like a tribute to um, Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher, and they took the last song from Charlotte's Wed that Charlotte sings, oh, right? Of course, and put that underneath, like, just a montage of them together. I'm just like, I'm like. And they, they even left a little bit of the audio, audio, just like, Charlotte? Charlotte! I'm like, oh, God, why would you do that? You want to make people cry at that point. Because there's evil people out there. Oh. That, that is just pure evil. That's not for entertainment purposes. I know it may have been made in good faith, but that is just pure fucked up evil. Just a, That is just make people cry. Yeah, that is just being you being a fucking sadist, going like, ha, 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 ha millions are crying. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like, like Snoke or Vader would do as a hate boner or something like that. Just, boosh! I know, I, we're making light of this or anything like that. But she, but however, Carrie Fisher's the kind of person who would make light out of any situation. Yeah. Like, and, and, I mean, hell, she was cremated and her urn looks like a Prozac pill. So. I did not know that. Yeah, because she, like, she got so much help, like, with being medicated on Prozac and everything like that. So. Okay. And. I remember one last thing I'll talk about her before I move on. In Simon Pegg's biography, he was talking about when he first met uh, Carrie Fisher. He was at Comic-Con. I think he was there, like, after the Shaw of the Dead had came out. And it's just, and he was saying in his head, like, he must, like, I want to say, like, oh, you're the first woman I kind of fell in love with and everything like that. And then he thought to himself, she's probably heard that five million times by five million different other fanboys, so I didn't say it or anything like that. Like, and he's talking about, like, we're in this convention and they're doing the Q&A part of it. And somebody yelled out, I love you. And, like, and she's like, and she responded saying, I love you too. And for, the, for every ounce of energy, I wish I had the courage to just, just yell back, I know, or we know. I'm like, oh, and it would have been perfect and anything like that. So the fandom for Carrie Fisher will continue us as continued generations discover Star Wars. And so... She will not be. She's gone, but she is definitely not forgotten. Nope. So, Carrie Fisher, rest in peace. We miss you dearly. Okay, I have an honest question because after Carrie Fisher died, I was reflecting on our review, our commentary of uh, the Force Awakens, which is just it just seems really. Uh, I just feel like because we kind of kind of gave a crap a little bit. Yeah, in no, that. no, I okay, no. I here's where I'm going with this. Okay, I made the re- the angry Reddit. Troller dude online. I made a joke about masturbating to Carrie Fisher in her slave bikini outfit with yeah. his long Guinness Book of World Record long fingernails yes. in the dark. Is that in poor taste now? Now it is. <laughs> I think you're clear. Like I think your grandfather into good graces at that point. Nowadays, you probably it'll be <sighs> okay. I mean, like I remember I sent you the photo of like her at the beach in the slave outfit oh, yeah. and, like, and stuff Smoke like that. Show. And it's just like. Gorgeous woman and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, I'll keep my fan, my Reddit angry reviewer troller dude like in check this time because I, I will try. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> wait until we do the Deathly Hallows, <laughs> and then we'll really, it really get out of hand. But from from sad news to good news, we have the new title for the next Star Wars movie: Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. 
thoughts? Uh, well, if if I was to pick a Star Wars ass Star Wars name, boy, that's that's Jedi. That's that's a good one. Yes. Uh, as far as what it portends, oh, man, who knows? I mean, you could we could spin a hundred yarns, right? Like, yes. Is it referring to Luke? Is it referring to Rey? Who does it mean? Yes. Blah blah. blah. Is this, or is it is it weird? Is it about Kylo? Like. Who knows? I, I get to see it like Ryan Johnson in the top of Disney Tower. Like, oh, I wonder what they're saying right now. Oh, yeah, you're probably right, Mickey. I know. It's going to be amazing listening to all the fanfares. Oh, yeah. as Mickey's being diabolical, torturing Star Wars fans now. Yeah. I just feel like Mickey is a diabolical person. No, when it first dropped, um, it, it, there's so many like, is it is Jedi singular or is, is Jedi is plural? plural? Yeah, because Jedi it, is are they, are they, are they make, is both. Are they uh, making a sentence out of the names of the trilogy? Yeah. The Force Awakens, the last, last Jedi, Jedi from his nap. Yeah, from his nap. <laughs> like, come on, really, people? Really? Somebody brought up a good point on Star Wars Oxygen on the Rebel Force Radio, a fantastic podcast. It was um. <clears throat> The original trilogy, each logo for each movie was distinct. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars, you had the, just the, the big Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back was kind of skewed and had Empire Strikes Back and had Star and Wars on top and bottom of it. And then you, for Return of the Jedi, it was very, like the long, and just say Return of the Jedi across it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. These, it just seems like it's just Star and Wars. In between, we'll put the subtitle. Like, sure, that's just probably just the early promotional stuff. It would be kind of cool if we get like a weird, like, we're going to, I bet you, on DVD Night, there's probably a million um, uh, minimalist posters based upon this title right now already. Um, and so I remember, like, somebody did an interview with uh, Mark Hamill and said, like, it sounds very samurai and stuff like that, The Last Jedi and everything like that. And I can kind of see where they're going with that, if it's, like, they refer to Luke being The Last Jedi and the crawl of The Force Awakens, so I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that. Um... I, I I honestly think Luke is on the chopping block for the next movie. I, I I mean he could sacrifice himself against Kylo Ren, or tries to anyway. Yeah, and and part of me thought that initially, but then I don't know. Then it starts getting a little uncomfortable because then like the the, the lot through lines become a little too throughy. You mean like with the Empire Strikes Back and this being a mirror of it? Yeah, but at the same time, like if it if it's done correctly. I'm okay with it because, you know, that's the kind of like the Jedi way. Yeah. So it's it's like okay, I get mad, but it's like well, then I'm getting mad at at the canon. Yeah, and it, it is it is funny though. It's like which Star Wars movie you want to watch? Jedi? Which one? Oh, uh, the Last Jedi, not Return of the Jedi. You have to be. We're gonna have to be specific now. It's that time. I mean, especially if the Batman movie that eventually comes out, if it's simply called the Batman, I'm like, all right, you wanna watch Batman sign? Which one? Uh, 89 or Ben Affleck's? Like, oh, okay, we gotta be, we gotta be a little more specific. Which one we're gonna watch? And everything like that. Dakota, it seemed like you want to say something. No, I mean, I guess, I guess. I don't know. I think you're taking the. It's not that difficult to say. No, I like, always say Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I don't just say Jedi. Like, 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 say, like, which one do you prefer, Empire or Jedi? If I was going, I say Empire Strikes Back. I say the, I'm like the weird one that actually says the full name out. Oh, okay. But yes, yeah. At least, at least you like don't respond. Like, what is 
Empire Strikes Back, you don't answer in the form of a question. Like, you what are. What is Empire Strikes Back? I'm sorry, that is not the right answer. Thanks, Alex. We were looking for what is Charlemagne. I suddenly remember my Charlemagne. But the cool thing about this is the red font of Star Wars. Yes. And me being a Clone Wars fan, when. Shit was getting real in Clone Wars. They always threw the red, the red Star Wars logo up. Right, and you're like, oh, oh, we're, I'm buckling myself in for this 26 minute episode. Do you think the um, the font will it'll stay red for the opening logo? For the, the opening op- logo, opening logo like opens with the red logo, red logo instead of the golden one. I would like that. I know a lot of fanboys will fucking be. Like really butthurt on that one. They won't. I mean, after the butthurt of what we're gonna get into, the opening titles of a Rogue One, I think they'll get used to it. Well, no, but still, like, I would still think they would complain about it. Well, yeah, because Star Wars fans are gonna complain about everything, but yeah, that's I mean, also being very meta right now because we're gonna find the criticism with Rogue One eventually in this podcast because nothing is perfect in there life. Is, there is there is some criticism with Rogue One, but yes. Yeah. Anyway, but no, I, I if they keep the red logo and then put the red font up. Like red scroll, that yeah. would be that would be sick, and you would know right then and there shit is getting fucking real. It's it's like it opens up with like R two and C three people getting executed. Like, it's like oh <laughs> oh god, it's like R two D R two D two is just being disemboweled off. C three PO is being forced to watch. <laughs> it opens like Batman, <laughs> it opens like Batman v Superman. Like uh, uh, Jimmy also getting double tapped at the beginning of the movie. Like oh, there's a character with seventy five years of history. Bam bam dead. This went to some unfortunate places. I was just going to say, I actually would not mind if they kept it red, because any indication that Disney gives me that they're willing to take chances, I am okay with. Which was our biggest criticism of The Force Awakens. Yeah. yeah. If, if they're willing to take chances and piss people off, good. Because I mean, try something new. Because if it doesn't work, look, they're going to make a lot more of these. Yeah, That's a guarantee. I mean, so it's it, okay. It, it's like, at this point, like, even like, you, you say you're taking risks, like, I mean, they they bankrolled Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man in the Marvel universe, yeah. stuff like that. Like those exactly. are D level characters, and they roll the dice and say, like, let's see people willing to come out and show up for this. And same thing with Doctor Strange, and people came out in droves to see those. Right. So Disney, I think, is willing to take chances and everything like that. But I'm now I'm just imagining, like, I'm, just, I, I'm taking the visual of just like them being in a desert, like C three PO with his hands behind his head, as like really. Irate Jawas of ripping him apart because they got a bad deal on it from Owen years ago. Oh, dude! Oh, dude! Say something! <laughs> and they rip the dome off. <laughs> That's the final death nail they wrote. <laughs> and the light, and the light just slowly goes out as the, as the eyes are closing. He's like, oh, "I'm sorry, we got really dark there." And then they reveal it was Ray who was doing it all. <laughs> Uh, and they go like, what happened between the 7th and 8th movie to make Ray so fucked up? Well, if we read the Expanded Universe novel, you would get all the answers and stuff like that. <sighs> Sorry. It's never going to happen, but... What? That! <laughs> no? That exact situation? I don't think so, except for our warped like, minds. You thought Vader giving children nightmares at the end of Rogue One was, was possible. That, if they did that for kids... No child would sleep ever. Oh, and that would be just amazing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Rob's just looking at us. It's just, just disapproval. Those are just animals. <laughs> just animals. 
All right, let's jump into the... Uh, Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape! Classic. I'm actually excited for War of the Planet of the Apes, too, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I, see. Yeah. I, you enjoyed the first two, right? Yeah, I thought the first one was definitely better than the second one, but they're watchable. Gotcha. You haven't seen any of them? No. Gotcha. Not interested. Really? Yeah. No monkey business for you? No, I don't really. No. Huh. It just seems stupid. It, it, it's, they make it plausible this, in this series of how it happens. Okay, but, yeah, but you're, you still don't have Tar- Charles Heston yelling, you damn dirty apes, anymore. No. Scenery. No, yeah. I mean, and what was it? Uh, speaking of uh, of apes, I remember um, apparently there's a, there's a remake of Every Which Way But Loose, the, like, the Clint Eastwood uh, orangutan mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman on Hollywood Babylon were talking about it. Kevin Smith's all for it. Ralph is like ixnay on that, and it's like it like the comedy show stopped for like a good six minutes of them arguing over every which way but loose. like and the, every which way I forgot the sequel name of it. And I tweeted at Ralph and as soon as I I, I paused the episode and tweeted at him, just like so. I, I guess uh, Kevin couldn't re- make you loosen up on the th- this Clint uh, remake, huh? He's like, I'll go every every direction but loose for these. They're like, ooh, that was a good one, sir. I applaud you. That was a good retort right there. I was not expecting that. And, yeah, there's some monkey business for it. Anyway, on to Rogue One. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. That was a- that, it's the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> yes. Maybe picture. I mean, at least it was. It's, this project would not be as tangent ridden as our commentary for uh, Half Blood Prince because that was just a very boring movie, and Ugh, that, God, that, that, that just led us movie. to be very just like blase throughout it. Anyway, Dakota, what is the synopsis of Rogue One? Well, the synopsis of Rogue One is that um, some Galen some- Erso. The architect of the Death Star. That's his name? Oh, that's the thing. This is the movie where you don't know anyone's name but the main character. But you know the names of the planets because we have telecars, at least. Yes, we do. Uh, Yes, so the only... Okay, so uh, some white-coated imperial dude... Krennic. Thank you. He comes, tries to take this guy who's a scientist... Uh, to finish the Death Star, which we learn, and uh, in the process, he has to give up his life as a farmer on some remote planet somewhere while he was hiding out. And then he, his wife gets killed, and his daughter gets abandoned to the re- to the rebels, where she's grown up as a rebel, but gets left behind and is imprisoned. Meanwhile, some other dude who has like some weird accent is being a rebel. And Cassian. Has- Yes, him, yes. because I don't know their names. I remember their names. I didn't. That's your fault, not How mine. How is that my fault? It's the movie's fault. It's not my fault your attention said. I was attention. fucking you paying attention. What? Dude meets girl. Girl causes rebels. Rebels go fight, blow shit up, and then have episode four. But via, there you go, Stopsis! With, with a vague statement like that, like, dude beats girl, girl causes rebellion, I'm just like, I'm just like, wait, isn't it Hunchback of Notre Dame at that one point? Because doesn't she lead a rebellion at one point? Oh and- my god, Disney did it! The live-action version of Hunchback of Notre Dame without us knowing! I knew it was familiar somehow. Uh, okay, but honestly, the movie, um... Flails. Flailing. Uh, so... Jin Urso, the main character, she gets re- rescued by the rebels because 
uh, she's the, because she's known to be in the contact with this. The Saul Guerrero. Saul Guerrero, thank you. Her, che Guevara, I mean Saul Guerrero, yes. Raspy voice black guy. Um, <laughs> um, so she, she, the rebels know that she's getting a connection with Saul Guerrero. Mm-hmm. So they're using her to get to him so they can uh, form like a unity, get, get or information on what's going on. Right. Going on. Meanwhile, Saul Guerrero has the uh, the defected Imperial pilot mm-hmm. uh, who is bringing um, a message from Jared Urso's father to them with mm-hmm. to pretty much give them the plans to the Death Star. Right. That like this is the plans to the Death Star, and this is the trap that I set for them as revenge for ma- forcing me to lose everything. Yes. So they get the plans back to the Rebel Alliance. Uh, Mon Martha. Bar Mothma and the uh, other rebel rebels. I forget the general's name. Uh, people. Yes. Um. But um, we have Mon Calamari, but he's not Admiral Akbar. Richard Trump. Um. So they pretty much the Rebel Alliance now with facing the dangers of the Death Star are like, oh fuck it, we're we're just gonna bow our heads and take it up the ass and just go about our daily lives. Meanwhile, you know, Jin Erso, you go about your business. You go about your business. <laughs> Jin Erso is like, fuck. This, fuck this. Before you go any further, you did, you did sound very Beatles right there. Like, you go about your business, go brother. about your business. Take that's a ride that, on my yellow submarine. That's how he, they controlled all the crazy <laughs> girls back in the day. They were just Jedi's the whole time. <laughs> you will take your clothes off for me. <laughs> Shea Stadium just goes become the newest <laughs> colony right then and there. <laughs> Start chat mind tricks on Shea Stadium. Uh, so anyway, Jin Erso was like, no, we got to stop this. If there's a way to stop it, we got to find it. So her... The weird accent guy, his his droid K two S O yes, uh, blind Donnie, uh, blind Donnie M, D- blind Donnie M, Bays. and his and his big fat hairy Bays. Hawaiian guy named Bays <laughs> go to um, go to the Imperial place. Forget the planet's name. This is the Jedha, not Jedha. Oh, Library. Scarif. Scarif, yes. thank you. Okay. Not Jetta. Jetta was where they all, all the shit went. I, I thought they were going from, like, I'm like, like Sally, you started the mission again. I'm like, why, why are we going They're going back? to Scarif to steal the Death Star plans from their Imper- from the Imperial Library that houses all of the known facts about the Imper- uh, Imperial architecture and weapon system. <laughs> they need to get in there. They need to get the plans off planet to the Rebels so they know how to defeat Feed the Empire. However, it's caught on very quickly that this is what this is what's going on. The uh, Imperials shut down the planet, uh, shut down the planet. But then the Rebels, uh, Rebel Alliance, finds out that this that this crew led by uh, Jin Erso uh, did this, and it's like, well, we're not going to abandon them now. Yeah. So that's when they're like, they, they grew a pair and went to fight fight the Imperials because that's what they're doing. This is right. We gotta fight them. So they go fight. Get the plans. How our shit gets real with a fucking uh, when Darth Vader's sh- uh, ship, the Inquisitor, shows up, destroys a bunch of shit, and then he goes after the plans himself. And the Death Star r- comes in, ran by Grand, Lof- Grand Moff Tarkin, to destroy the the library mm-hmm. uh, be- in attempts to try to, to stop the plans from leaving. Yeah, he, it doesn't. But everyone in the sh- movie dies. The end. That was the that was the synopsis of Suicide Squad by Dakota Weekend. Suicide Squad, yeah. I, no, I'm sorry. It yes, that was not exactly the best, and I, I apologize to listeners going like, you know, like that was that was shitty. <laughs> it's like yes, I apologize. It's it's not. It's a very straightforward plot in a way. Yeah, 
but it's not. It's a little complicated. Slightly, sort of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> now, what were your feelings going into the movie, Rob? Uh, I was I was hopeful but skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the first like non titular Star Wars, so it's the opportunity to do something different. And I was, you know, I was hoping to do something different. One of the things I hoped throughout the whole movie is that everyone would die at the end. Because mm-hmm. I thought it would be fitting. Yeah. It would be nice. It would close that loop. Because what I was really afraid would happen is we just get, like, sudden cameos from characters later on in the, st- in the series or something. Like, that I definitely did not want. Yeah. I want because, like, why to... weren't you at the Battle of Endora and Battle of Yavin and yeah, everything like, like that? All right, we're just going to make all the canon right. Everyone dies. Right. And uh, that happens. So, you know, A-plus there. I was hoping there'd be some, some good star fights, starship fights. Got that in spades. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd hope we'd get some darker characters, and there was murkier characters. I wouldn't go as far as to say they were really dark, but they were shade darker than most Star Wars characters. Yes, in fairness. Um, and I remember uh, I saw it like the first big snowstorm that we got. It was uh, December. I saw it the day after it came out. It was like early morning. It was like a ten o'clock showing. And which snowed like maybe like four or five inches the night before, and I raced to the movie theater. Kind of messed up my car a little bit, like dealing with the snow and everything like that. But raced to the movie theater, and I was like, "I'm going to, I'm going to see this movie. I don't care what I'm doing and stuff like that." Like, I'm like, if I flip over a car, somebody else's car, and actually like, "I'm sorry, Star Wars made me do it." I, I, I would not be convicted by any. This is the checking. <laughs> um, so I get there, I'm excited and everything like that. And I'm just like, yeah, we're all good. We're all good. And I'm just like, ah, we're, we're, we're maybe like four rows away from the screen. But like, ah, I don't care. I'll be, I'll be happy with it. And movie starts. And I was pleased with what, like, I, like, just like a little brief of like how it felt. Like I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I'm sure there are problems with it. And we'll get into and everything like that. But um, Dakota, what were your feelings going into the movie theater? Okay. I was a little apprehensive going in because I was not too sure of how they were doing this because it is like one of those like standalone things. Right. Um, but yeah, I was excited going in and I already was mentally prepared because I heard there was no opening scrawl, which I was okay with because yeah. it's not part of that main storyline. Um, and I saw it maybe like a week or a week and a, like a week or two after it premiered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Relatively new, so not too many people were, like, spoiling it online. But there's not much to spoil. But I was watching it, and I was thoroughly enjoyed with the movie. Yeah. I mean, you left going, like, that's good, but there's something off here. That was my initial reaction. Like, it's good. It's not the greatest movie ever, but there's something I can't – it was, like, something I can't place my finger on. Okay. And I kind of figured out what it is by now. But at the moment, I was like, ugh. It was really good. I would like to see it again, but I just don't know what I what I'm missing. Well, let's wait for that when we get to our pros and cons yeah, movie sure. at the end. So let's jump into characters. Let's talk about Jen Urso, the one you, character that everyone knew. Yes, because she's the main character. Of course, mm-hmm. we all knew her. Your feelings on her character? I liked her. She was okay. Um, she was just okay. <laughs> I mean, she, you could tell that. Yes, she's like. She wasn't exactly she wasn't exactly on board with joining the rebels until she knew the fact that nobody was going to pursue the the plans for the Death Star because nobody but her believed 
that uh, her father made such a made such a fatal thing for the Death Star. Right. So after that, where she was just took the like took the bull by its horns and just did it herself. Mm-hmm. Then you started liking her a little bit more. But at that point, you're already like going to the third act. Yeah. So she was okay up until then, and then after the third act, you start really enjoying the character because of how ballsy she is. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I really got to say about her. Yeah, I think um, I think she was. A, oh, yeah, I agree with your your sentiment overall. I think my big, biggest complaint with her she was a little too flip floppy throughout the movie. Like she yeah. was on board, and then she was off board, and then she was on board, and then she was off board, and then she was on board. Which okay, that's fine. You know, it's it's a joining like this. You know, life or death rebellion. It's a big decision, granted. Yeah. Uh, so that I can I can understand. I did I did think she had a strong character. I just I can't place it, but for some reason I feel like the first half of the movie she just didn't have enough presence. And it's, like, a really weird thing, but I just didn't feel like, I don't know, maybe it's because they were focusing on bringing the other characters in or something, but I wanted her to be more in there. I don't know what that means, but... It's not until, like, her speech that kicks off the third act is, like, when she finally, like, um, and she takes, like, center yeah. stage. Granted, this was an ensemble piece up until this point. But she was heavily marketed as the leader of this yeah, group yeah. and everything like that. So could that possibly be a mistake in the marketing at that, that point? Might, yeah, maybe because I was expecting her to be the leading role. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, she was, but she was more of an ensemble, like you said. It, it, what, do you think it's because we're expecting somebody closer to Princess Leia or Rey at this point? And it may have had a kind of negative effect on it. It was just like, oh, somebody who's strong-willed and everything like that and is very determined and everything. But... What we got here is somebody who's a sort of like sure she was rescued from the imperial like uh, camp that she was going to the imperial prison she was going to, yeah. but she was kind of kidnapped by the rebellion. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and she did not go quietly into their uh, like she was in handcuffs when she was brought before Mom Mothma and everything like that. So it's it's not the easiest sell to for her to like take on everything like Mon Mothma and the general was talking about like. We need you to go talk to this pilot because they may have a message from uh, your father. Like, you like maybe able to go to Sagra, who may have information about this super weapon that's going to be happening and everything like that. And it's kind of like it's either that, or you can go back to your prison. Like, sure, it's an ultimatum and everything like that. But a lot of these the Star Wars movies are built on the hero's journey, and it's usually a call to adventure. And it's usually a refusal to call and the meeting of the mentor and everything like that. If we're talking about the power of myth and things like, and it's like not really a refusal of a call. Like sure. Luke refuses not to join Obi-Wan and he wants to go back to having his normal life despite pining for a bigger existence off planet. Mm-hmm. But, and granted his hand is forced when his, uh, his, uh, family's, uh, burnt or crisp by the stormtroopers. Like the only confirmed kills the stormtroopers really have until the force awakens again. Um, and, and like in Hoth, they were actually pretty efficient clearing out uh, Echo Base and everything. Oh. But granted, Echo Base was pretty abandoned by the time Darth Vader would start tromping around. Yeah. Anyway, so it wasn't that big of a, like, all right, I'm not too invested in, like, see, it is, so I go back to prison, so I gotta go with them at this point. Right. And I think one of the big characteristics that really helped her, at least helped me, is that we get to see the Cassian... Um, is spoken to aside, away from Jin, and saying, if this is true, and you get a chance to get to Galen Urso, who may have been working on the super, super weapon, kill him. And Jin does not know about this. So you automatically feel 
uh, fear for Jin because she is completely unaware of what this what this subplot is going on at this point. And I think that did help define her and everything like that. But I do agree, it's not until that big speech that we find like she is fully taking charge and everything like that and taking control of this movie. And at that point, everybody's behind her and like we will follow you to certain death, and most of the characters do at that point. So yeah, I mean, I think Felicity Jones did a good good job of what she was given. Mm-hmm. It was just yes. unfortunate she was not given too much. She was given enough to be like because they're the lead actor in the movie, but she wasn't just like I. I don't think kids are going to be like I want to be like Jen Erso. Yeah, no. And not saying that every character should in a Star Wars movie. No, no, no. But I, but it's definitely a shame because you're right. Like she did put in a good performance. She mm-hmm. she did. Yeah, and I just feel like it's. I mean, like, one of the biggest criticisms of, like, the first early trailers is, like, like this is a rebellion, right? I rebel. And people are like, That's such a, That is such a George Lucas line. Like, yeah. God and, damn it. And, and like, kind of, like, the <laughs> commitment behind the line and, like, the feeling behind it, they seemed, like, a little flat. And so that was a big criticism. And for some people, I don't think a criticism has kind of stopped. And they kind of thought that she, her acting was kind of wooden throughout the movie. Yeah. And there is some validity to that, but I don't think she's as wooden as people give it. She's not playing from Eddie. I don't Eddie think it's, don't think it's like really that. her fault on that, but I guess I'll talk about that later. Okay, but since I mentioned it before, let's move on to Cassian Andor, the male lead of this of the uh, of this ensemble piece, the kind of like the Han Solo of the group at this point. Your feelings on his character in this movie? Going to be the same thing as Jinerso. He's he's okay. I mean. This is going to be a very short episode because the characters are kind of short-changed, aren't they? Yeah, that's – yeah, like I said, I'll get into that. But, yeah. no, he's just okay. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. He's just okay. He's not like – at first you go like, oh, he's a badass because he just fucking like flat out killed, <laughs> yeah, a, dude, killed dude. a dude, right? Like cold blood in the middle of an alleyway. Like that's awesome. And then and after the Rebellion that, would do that. Yes, but at the same time then it just kind of like <clears> – <throat> he just – it just his character kind of just went quiet, he, and like he's only got like one real line. Like you're not the only person who's lost things, and you're just like, okay, okay, like yeah, all Explain. right. Explain. Can you? Elaborate no, no, we have, a little bit? Do you see that on the horizon? That's the next plot point. We got to get to it. Right, got to get to there. The plot points. No time for me to explain my character. How are we gonna get there? We're gonna cut to a transitional shot of the Death Star in space. You may fire when ready. Okay, we're at the next plot point. Yes. But, no, I mean, that's... And then when he was like... And then he brings... Uh, helps Jin with the whole Death Star plans. And you're all like, okay, he's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, he's... I, I, he's just an okay character. Are you thankful that he's not in love interest? I was thankful for that. Yeah. I mean, you could tell fanboys and fangirls online. It's like, oh, my God, they went, they they definitely had sex and then tra- somehow transported Jin Erso's seed off planet to make re- – and it's frozen I thought and we're not going that, I, I thought we were not going down the Reddit uh, uh, Reddit troll. Yeah, that, yeah, I, was, I wasn't. You were – You were – You were flirting at it. <laughs> <laughs> I may have just touched my toe into it, but no. Yeah, you're like touching it just like as Anakin slowly slinking into the uh, lava right there. <laughs> Mustafa, just save me. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought I thought I thought Cassian Andor was a, was a cool character. I I think the the most effective entry probably of any character in the movie just icing that dude. <laughs> first thing, it's like, oh wow, okay, this rebellion's gotten this rebellion's gotten real. Um, I I just I, I think he was he was okay. You're right. He he did you know I I like the fact that he had that that. 
internal journey where he's like, nah, I, I can't, I can't kill this dude. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing, I, the only thing I would complain about him is I just don't buy his motivation for helping Jin at the end. I don't think that he. I that totally I don't. What his motivation was that. That's the problem. I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that. I mean, you just get off. I mean, this is okay. I don't want to get off into too much of a tangent. No, that's you, okay. just, you get. You just have Jin calling him a stormtrooper, and then she gives the speech. And the next scene, he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And it's like, okay, she called you your the, your greatest nemesis, and you're just like, nah, nah. It's, it's look. It's we all. Cool. It's all. It's all. We cool guys. We cool. At least you didn't call me. A, uh, Nerf herder or scruffy looking. Yeah. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I, the hierarchy of name calling, it's like, oh, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's what it, you're not like. Like, if you should call him a nerf herder, it's kind of like saying, like, he's an asshole at that point. And then I'd be like, like fine. At that point, like, go fly yourself to Scarif. Let's see how far you get. Um, anything else you want to say? I feel no. like, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, no, no. It's okay. I think, I think he was he was one of the, to me, one of the more interesting characters in the movie. Yeah, I mean, like, it definitely seems. It leaves a lot to be like, – like it leaves – like it does leave you with questions like how do you end up that way and how do you end up being kind of like – not even like an assassin but like willing to get – how do you get from being a young person and getting to the point where, all right, my livelihood and my presence is um, immediately threatened. I execute the person that can kind that can kind of screw me over. Like how do you get to that point? And it's like – I would like to see how that journey happened or anything like that, or at least like maybe a, a line dialogue that we're kind of referring to it. Like I mentioned before, it's like, you're not the only person who's lost things. And of course this big galactic war that's been going on, there's probably countless casualties across the many worlds that the empire has control over. So it could like, I, I kind of agree with you, Rob, maybe there should be a, a scene of contemplation between Cassian and K2SO going over what happened with the speech and everything like that. And K2SO, yeah, I know he, he voices his, um, his misgivings on going on this mission and everything like that. But I mean, but he, of course he goes along with him because he, he trusts uh, Cassian and he trusts his uh, judgment and everything like that. I do like the, the, he has the opportunity to execute Galen. And when they're at the kind of that, um, R and D factory, that's, uh, I forget the name of the planet they're on. Rain planet. (laughs) Rainy (laughs) planet with the X rings that came in and pew pew things. Um, he has an opportunity to, to snipe him out and, possibly prevent uh, a huge war from happening, but it doesn't. He does make that decision not to do that. I do like that moment, and I do like the fact that he helps her throughout and everything like that. Like you said, not a lot there. That's going to be a common criticism throughout these a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. Like that. There, are moments, there are moments of brilliance with each character. There are moments... I guess you say they're few and far between over the entire film. Yeah. But I enjoyed the performance... I want that coat, that big blue winter coat that he has and stuff, and stuff like that. Like I was watching it, like like it was cold going in because, of course, like I said, it was snowing the day, like the the morning of. So I'm like, that coat looks very comfortable. I wish I had that in the yeah. snow and everything like that. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed the character. And I'm kind of glad that him and uh, Jin did not kiss at the end, but as the the uh, the shockwave of the Death Star's blast on Jetta was co- approaching them. Because otherwise, I, I, I was saying to myself in the theater, I'm like, do not kiss. Do not kiss. Yep. Do not kiss. If you kiss, I'm like, I, I, I will scorch the earth if you do that. Yeah, and thankfully, no, and thankfully they had the um, reservation not to do that and everything. So, But I mentioned it before, K2SO, the, the reprogram Imperial droid that's the sidekick to... Uh, 
Cassie, your feelings on that character? I liked K2SO. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for a movie, like, he is the perfect comic relief because it's not reprieving the audience from the darkness associated with it because all of K2SO's one-liners are very dark humor. Yeah. Like, oh, well, how come she has a blaster and I don't? I'm just saying. Hmm. <laughs> and it's just like all, like, and then when he dies... You feel for him. You, oh, my God. He just sacrificed his life to complete this mission. Like, flat out, sacrifice his life. He, like, he pretty much pulled, he pulled the Boromir at that point. Yeah! To uh, blast. Uh, they shot. took the little ones. <laughs> they took the little ones. <laughs> Frodo. Where is, where is Frodo? His oil is spewing out of his <laughs> mouth. Poor <laughs> Troy death. Oh, Poor Troy torture. <laughs> Maybe that's why you should title this episode Troy. Star Wars traffic as a colon droid torture. Uh, no, but <laughs> no, but K two SO was uh, played by Alan Tudyk. Yeah, by Alan Tudyk. It was a he was a I I enjoyed him a lot. Yeah, um, because he. I mean, they could have done maybe they could have done a little bit more with him. Like you, like you said, have the whole conversation with Cassian about the whole, going to uh, Scarif. Scarif. Sidebar: What is the name of the planet that the Daleks come from? It's very similar. Is it? Scarrow? Scarrow, yeah. Okay. I was, like, I was like, what? And I was like, no, it's Scarrow. When it came to Scarif, I'm like, Scarif. I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? I'm just like, just imagine, like, it's a big, like, arrow shot over the beach. It's like, exterminate! <laughs> exterminate! As Daleks fly past the camera. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if some VFX guy just put that in the background as the big battle's ensuing. Exterminate! <laughs> No, but uh, K two one of my favorite part about K two S O was the scene where they're getting, going through the city of Jeddah, yeah, and uh, they get stopped by the stormtroopers, mm-hmm. and it's like, "Where are you taking these prisoners? I am taking them away." <laughs> <laughs> because at that point, he, his whole reprogramming, he doesn't know the proper responses, and he's totally like processing on his feet right yeah, there. Yeah, it's like you, you take them away, you. Check this thing out. It's like, like, fine, oh, I'm, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and it's just like, it's a perfect, like, if you have to have a droid in there, it's a perfect way to put a droid in there. And it's like, actually serves a purpose to the story. Yeah. Unlike other droids. <laughs> uh, yeah, K2SO. BB-8 hater. I know, I'm busting your chops, I'm busting your chops. K2SO is a good character. Uh, I think it was cool. Best, definitely best, of most effective death in the movie. Uh, that one, I was like, oh, man, right in the feels, man. <laughs> and I, and I, don't think, I think it's because, like, it's it's so prolonged. Yeah. It's not, it's not like it's one blast he's down. He continues to go bolt after bolt taken. And you're like, oh, come on, please let him yeah. go. Let him go. And he keeps doing it. Like, ah. Oh. Yeah, and the sad thing for me is, too, is, like, as soon as they set up that scene, I was like, oh, no. He's so no, dead. This is, this is where he's going to die, isn't it? <laughs> This one entryway, like, and he's got a gun now, like, up, last yeah. sand here. Oh, God. I, I will mention, though, there is another character that's similar to K2SO from the, the Knights Over Holy Video Games, HK47, which is also a very good, very similar character. Have you ever played the games? He's good. He calls well, we're, we're slowly inducting to you, go to into the uh, EU right now, so you, we would, really like... really need to, because he goes around calling humans meatbags, because they're... <laughs> Because they are. Yeah, they, they are, are. bags. And he makes a comment. He's like, you know, humans are so much water. How you deal with all the sloshing, I don't understand. <laughs> like, and it's a very similar, like, dark <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah. And you could so. definitely tell that the, the writers had to have been inspired by it. But I, I don't mind it because they're both great characters. They're yeah. They're writing jokes very, you know, 
perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy the scene when he's walking through the town and the, the hand grenade gets thrown and he catches it and just chucks it back, <laughs> like, without that. breaking stride or anything. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. No, that was, oh. uh, yes, he was a good character. And I hate both of you for introducing me to the EU. Thrawn Trilogy? <laughs> God damn it! Oh, it's just beginning, my friend. I know! Uh, I, it, it hurts, but it feels so good. Why, EU? Why? This, so this is the torture of stars are coming from. It's just the it's the ever expanding EU for you and everything like yeah. that. It's it's a dark abyss. That's all the way to describe it. Ah, uh, and my feelings with K two S. So like you guys, like I'm really enjoyed it because of his sarcasm and everything like that. And he's different from C three P and R two D two and BB eight. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And he makes it very distinct. Other than the fact that he's a very humanoid character and he mm-hmm. can be part of the physical action. And the fact he, I mean, I love the introduction to him. Like, Jin, uh, Jin's prison transport is stopped and she, the door blasts open and she immediately runs out and, like, <gasps> like gets the wind knocked out of her as K2 also catches her in midair. This, this is a rescue. Please do not struggle. <laughs> this is a jacking. This is a jacking. Um, Nico Bellic everywhere. It, and then I love the moment when they're on Jetta and they're firing in all directions, killing all the stormtroopers. And she turns, Jin turns and blasts an Imperial droid. And you're like, <gasps> and then K2SO comes around the corner and he's like, you do realize that wasn't me, right? Because her and Jin not being on good terms up yeah. at that point. And you're like, and, and that thought, you're like, wait, did, did, did she did she just, just kill him and everything like that? Um, and of course, like... It's not a Star Wars movie until somebody says, I've got a bad feeling about this, and I love how Cassian immediately cuts them off. I kind of, nope. Nope. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. Like, well, it's not good. Yeah. And, um, or, or the joke with, like, do you know the odds for this situation? I don't want to know the odds. And then they, like, well, it's not good. And, and he, like, really not good. Or when they're landing on the, the uh, R&D planet, and it's like, we got to go lower, b- below their, um, the uh, radar and it's like and then he's like he changes the parameters of what the percentage of their success at that point yeah yeah it's just uh, dropping it's just slowly dropping as their odds are getting worse and then the pilot's like and they're flying in from this side of the mountain and you're like oh god they're really not they're not gonna land yeah. they're gonna crash this plane crashing this plane with no survivors sorry I had to I don't even know what that's in reference to that's Bane from Dark Knight Rises oh Somebody, uh, I actually just, I know this video is a couple years old, but somebody took Bane's uh, voice and put it into Darth Vader scenes throughout the original trilogy. And it's just like, like, and it's like, don't threaten me with your sorcery ways, Lord Vader. And you feel, have power over me? Is he force choking him and everything like that? It just, Tom Hardy's voice coming out of Darth Vader outfit is hilarious. That could, yeah, that could be funny. Speak of the devil and he shall appear. Anyway. K2SO died uh, died violently, and it's it sucks because I want him. I if any if there's one character I'd want to see more of, it's probably him and Donnie Yen and everything like that. Those two characters I probably want to see the most of and want to see them on continued stories, but sadly they're not. Mm-hmm. But since I brought him up, your feelings on Donnie Yen's characters, Chiritu, yeah, I cannot pronounce it. I apologize. Uh, yeah, Chirut Imwe Imwe. I am uh, W-E. Yeah, but the I has a doohickey over it. Mm. Oh. It's a, what do they call that in French? A circumflex? I don't know if it's a different word in, a different, in all the other languages. 
Hey man, I'm a linguist, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Oh, yes, we, I didn't know we had Tolkien sitting with us right now. Well, Speak know. Elvish to us. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. <laughs> He's just going to curse us and Elvish of the way so, home. So, Blind Donnie Yen. Um, I liked him. Yes. He was a good character. On the, Nothing like... Okay. Come on, you gotta give me something. I, I, it, I mean, we're, the audience is quickly discovering my biggest problem with this movie. Yes. Uh, no, he's okay. I mean, he, you're, you enjoy him. He has a lot of good laughs. He uh, kind of like gets all the other characters thinking because of how his total undying faith in the Force. Despite not being a Force user. Yeah. No, but he feel he's... I wouldn't say he's Force-sensitive, but he understands how the Force works in a way. Yeah. And he uses, I mean, on his staff that he uses has a kyber crystal on it. Yeah. So that, that and the kyber crystal is, uh, like, pretty much the uh, piece of the Force, yeah. essentially. And so assuming that's how he knows, how, like, he can sense where the kyber crystal was, and he knew that uh, uh, Jin had a kyber crystal necklace on. Yeah. That's how the introduction was made. Um, and he was, he's good. He's cool. Um, I wanted to know more about him. Yeah. I mean, that's really what the movie left me. What? Like, I want to know more about him. Was he right? And, uh, I mean, Cassian kind of mentioned the fact that he, he was probably like a guard for the old Jedi temple. Yes. So it's like, well, when you, you would think that the Jedi would be a part of like guarding Jedi temples, but yeah, why not. they were not like that. So how, where did this guy come from? So kind of like questions like that came about with him, but he was a cool character. He was a lot of fun to uh, to watch in that final fight scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think out of anyone's death, he's like the second most depressing death in the movie. Right. So, yeah. And, go, yeah. Uh, I was going to say that to me, him and him and his his friend, I, I don't even know. Baze. Baze. Malbus? Malbus. M-A-L-B-U-S. I, I, think, I think to me they were the only characters I was okay with not having an explicit backstory yeah. because – I thought that their rapport with each other and their dialogue and the way they behaved implied that they've known each other for, like, 20 years. Yeah. And, like, everything that they've done here, like, psh, remember that one time on, like, you know, Bespin 10 years ago? Like, yeah. they felt like those kind of characters to me. And, like, right. for me, out of any of the characters there, those two's, like, adventures, I think, would probably make an interesting, not movie necessarily, but a side plot to explore. Because they seem like the kind of people who... They got up to some stuff when they were young, you know, young, strapping men. Mm-hmm. Now they're kind of like past their prime, but they're they're still together because they're the they are like you know the only friends that they each other have. So uh, maybe that's me reading way into the. This is me like you know overlaying my opinions of what I thought they should be into mm-hmm. the movie, but at least that's what I took out of it. Right. Yeah. No, I agree to that. I agree to that. I mean, you the way the two play off each other. Definitely, yeah, it's such a good rapport with each yeah, other. That, like they've known each other for years. Mm-hmm. Years. I mean, they've probably maybe grown up, grown up together. And I love the fact that they they bicker. Yeah, they bicker kind of like an old couple and stuff like that. And especially when um, Donnie and like goes out like the first time when the stormtrooper squad tries to arrest him, and he's like, and he takes them all out with the staff, and then Bay's like shoots the one person behind him who's out of his reach, mm-hmm. and he's like. You almost hit me. No, I didn't. And then they immediately start bickering and everything yeah. like that. It is a very like Han and Chewie relationship right there. The person who have known each other for years and everything like that. And you don't. It doesn't need to be stated, like you said. They just they have such a good connection with each other, and just their little interactions they had just painted a huge a veil for all of us to imagine what those kind of ventures were. And with Donnie Yen's character, and like 
you're saying someone brought up on uh, another show you think of like yeah, the Jedi they were like part of like they were part of the like kind of like the Catholic Church in the Vatican and then you have offshoots of Christianity that kind of still believes in that kind of idea and they're a little different from the traditional sense that's how I kind of imagine his belief in the force mm-hmm. that's like I, I acknowledge this belief and I support it this is how I this is how I represent it this is how I channel my energy through it and everything like especially with that kind of one like that two line prayer that he says over and over like I am one with the force and the force is with me I am one with the force and the force is with mm-hmm. me and I love like and that he says it over and over and like aims at the the point that it's like almost ad nauseum for Bayes because he's probably heard that four years and he's just right, like right, please right. shut up I I say it to yourself you do not need to say it out loud and I think that so I think that when he when Donnie Yen dies and his friend says at the end like. You know, you're right. He's probably heard it for 20 years, but now, finally, to him, you, it's like that moment of clarity. Like, I know why he's been saying this for 20 years. Yeah. Like, I get it. And I love when um, somebody took that. I think it was like a week after the movie came out. Somebody took the scene from A New Hope when R2 and C3PO are on one side of the blockade runner, and they have the rebel forces on one side of the hallway firing at the stormtroopers, and the two of them walk across the, the barrage of laser bolts going in opposite directions. It was just a text like, I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me as they cross the hallway. <laughs> and that moment where they need to turn on the master switch to open up the shields to get them down here, to get the Rebel Forces down here. And Donnie walks out into the the no man's land at this point. Yeah. And he's saying it over and over again, and you kind of just kind of get choked up like, please don't, please don't, please don't get hit, please don't get hit, please don't get hit. Turns the switch. Oh, okay, fine. Grenade lands at his feet. And you're like, oh no, and boom, nuts. <laughs> and Baze goes out there. Well, I guess we can just talk about him. And I like the fact that, unlike um, down the end, he uses all of his stuff as kind of like close combat. Besides the weird kind of crossbow blaze bolt uh, weapon, yeah. he uses he shoots out a tie fighter at one point, which was badass. Yeah. yeah. And was, in the midst of a storm too, he just takes out a tie fighter. And Baze has got this giant, like, almost minigun strapped to him with the the bandolier, like, going out from loading into his backpack. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed both their characters, and I enjoyed their rapport, and I enjoyed them being together. It's, I'm sure, it's something we're going to get into. And I, it almost makes me question that they're so mysterious and they're so kind of hinted at. That is just, do you wonder if it's just a ploy to sell more, like, hey, here's the tie-in comic book, here's the tie-in novelization, or anything like that, just to yeah. see if people are willing to... Tinfoil hat on. Yeah, just like, <laughs> I, I want to know more, and everything, and just to sucker away people into more consumerism. Um, go on. Okay, I might as well just say it at this point. Um, I don't quite think that's where they were going with it. I think the obstacle of what they were trying to do was they know that everyone's going to die at the end. So they just kind of dumbed down the actual character connection. Mm-hmm. So the younger audience didn't need to like end up like crying their eyes out because mm-hmm. they didn't get attached to these characters so easily. But for as adults watching this, you want to feel that connection. You want to feel the hurt uh, and loss of these characters. But mm-hmm. they didn't give it to us because I think Disney was a little bit too afraid of taking that giant risk. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we can give you, like, a Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia character, but she's going to die in the same movie. So maybe give her, like, a, um, a rough sh- 
copy version of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay. But that's why I personally feel like they punted on a lot of the character development just to save the audience from total heartbreak. Right. Which is, which is like, definitely a stake. Because, like, I feel like the the best Suicide Squad-esque movies, you know, people going into possible missions, are always the ones with the characters take the forefront, right? Yeah. Like, the plot is almost irrelevant to the fact that this that's is a band en- of brothers going off to certain death. That's why I enjoyed the Suicide Squad movie. Like, the plot is very simple and very basic and everything, but it's the characterization right. of each of those DC characters that I really enjoy. The plot should be s- simple because it gets in the way of the characters, right? Hmm. What's up? What's the World War Two leave? Dirty Dozen. Dirty Dozen. Yeah, I mean, and, and the like, it always gets to the mission. And you're just like, oh yeah, this is going on. And then everyone dies. Go like, oh my god. Yeah. It, it, oh no, because Telly Savalas loses his shit. It, it starts murdering people. Oh yeah, but then you're like, okay, he that bastard deserved to die at that point. But everyone else died. Like the black guy just gets fucking killed. Yeah, and like, Jim Brown's oh. running, running towards it. He gets shot in the back. And yeah. You're like, and, and like, there's only what three of them survive. Yeah. And one of them, I think, is paralyzed from, like, the waist down at that point. Yeah, um, what's his face's character? Uh, uh, Charles Bronson's character. He dies. No, he's, he's, no he, he lives. He lives. He, he's the he one died like, in Magnificent Seven, that's yes, why. Yes, it's fucking kids in Magnificent Goddamn Seven. Yeah, we have, we have a little bit of a hatred to the kids in Magnificent Seven that got Charles Bronson killed in that movie. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, did, I decided I didn't enjoy that movie. Um, what, the what? remake? Mag- Magnificent Seven, yeah, the remake. Oh, I thought it was good. Well, it's a... Different conversation. But yeah, okay. so think about wait, other... Wait, 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 wait. Which remake? Are you talking about the most recent one? Yes. Oh. I thought it was okay. I, I, I didn't know you saw it. What? I didn't know you saw it. Yeah, I saw Magnificent Seven. When did you see it? This is Zach. When, like, a week or week after it came out. Oh, okay. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I mean, it. it's different from the original, but I enjoyed it. I was at least happy they stuck with the storyline of that, like, like, everyone dying at the end. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, but what I was to say is, you know, think about other sort of those similar styles of movies. So, unfortunately, the, the two examples I thought of are both Steven Spielberg movies, but it's Band of Brothers, the miniseries, mm-hmm. where the plot is, hey, guess what? It's World War Two. Woo! That's the whole plot. <laughs> Germans bad, World War Two, but the characters are good, so when they die, you feel it, it sucks. And the same thing with all Saving Private Ryan. It's the same yeah. idea. Hey, guess what, guys? World War Two Germans are bad, but the characters are what make the movie. Yeah. Right. Despite like the one like characters like one German character we get to kind of know of seems relatively nice, but he does turn on that squad at the end of the movie. He's a German soldier. Yeah. You gotta do. do what you gotta do. But um, yeah. So back to Rogue One. Um, let's let's talk about um, Saw Gerrera played by Forrest Whitaker. The kind of like the the. Save the rebellion. I have asthma. (gasps) Oh God. Everyone should have taken that ecstasy last night. <gasps> oh, God. Anyway. It sounds uh, like me when I was shooting Dead Love when I was having that panic attack. A child. Ouch. There, it's a dog. I fell down the stairs. A moment ago, the wind has been knocked out of me. I was at a rave. <laughs> I was screaming all night long. Forgive me. Anyway, uh, Forrest Whitaker is Saul Guerrero. Um, well, I knew that he was, they didn't touch on this at all. In the he's movie. a rebellion. He's a Star Wars. He's a clone. As Tim looks shocked. No, he's a clone. He was in Clone Wars, a very small part of Clone Wars. He was like in one or two episodes, huh. but he is a clone of Jango Fett. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Now, did he look like Jago Fett like, unmasked in the Clone Wars? He looked like all the other clones, except uh, each all the clones at that point gave themselves their own names, and right. they also did uh, different things to differentiate from themselves each other. Mm-hmm. So his hairstyle was a little different, but he's dark skinned, mm-hmm. so that fits there. There, but theoretically, they, he still could be a clone. No, he is a clone. Yeah, they like, confirmed that Saul Guerrero is a clone, huh. and he was in Clone Wars. They found that character and Saul Guerrero. And now that he's on Star Wars Rebels, and the biggest pr- problem that everyone's having was uh, the eye colors. Three different colors. It was blue eyes in Clone Wars, brown eyes in Rogue One, and now it's going to be green eyes in, Ro- in, in, um, in Rebels. Harry, you look just like your father. <laughs> Ex- except for your, your eyes. Your mother. You have his eyes. He, except he doesn't have his mother's eye in the end of the fucking movie. That's a different podcast, though. Different podcast. Come back to us. Okay. Okay. But anyway, Forrest Whitaker's character, Saul Guerrero, he's okay. Once again, another just okay character. Mm. He was dispensable because he, he dies halfway through the movie. Mm. Um, but we essentially get he's like the kind of somewhat adopted father figure to Jin, even though he kind of just raised her to be a soldier. Yeah. Um, soldier to fight the rebels. And though he said, he, I was going to protect you. That's why I left you in like some prison camp. It's like, sure, dude. Sure. He's a little mentally ill. Um, and they highlight that before you meet them. And oh, yeah. They totally highlight that with that weird pink octopus thing. Yeah. I watch a lot of hentai. This <laughs> is how I get off. <laughs> He's going to touch you in inappropriate places and I'll laugh. <laughs> anyway. Um... So he's okay. Uh, I wish they really went on about his hatred, why he's doing this. Right. I mean, it, I know they only have so much time for a movie and th- they need to get to the plot, but they really left out the fact that if you didn't know he was a clone, nobody would ever know. I mean, the suit he wears is somewhat clone-ish, clone mm-hmm. or wars armor, but not really. Right. So I wish they went into that backstory of how, like, he was a clone and how he found individualism. And then once the Clone Wars were over, the uh, essentially the Empire just said, okay, clones, go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. And that could stem, like, his hatred to the Empire because he was made for one purpose, and now he can't do this purpose. And what he was just left abandoned by the Empire to do nothing for the rest of his life. Carl, I was bred to protect Krypton and its people. Now I have no people. Yes, he is. He uh, he, he is Zod from Man of Steel. God damn it, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> God damn it. But no, but just less lisp. More more voice. <laughs> less 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 voice. <laughs> so, but no, I he's okay. I mean, he serves the plot. He serves the plot. Yeah. So that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I like maybe not necessarily not with with the character itself, but what his like sort of side plot represents, like this extremist rebel faction. Mm-hmm. I actually would have liked to have spent more time sort of exploring, like, so you know, Mon Mothma is building her rebel alliance. Well, what about the people who don't want to wait for Mon Mothma and want to take action now? Like that side plot is relevant to today in a weird way. It's mm-hmm. very topical. And I Which I'm gonna, get, I want to get into in a moment. Yeah, and I thought it could be interesting, but they're like, I was like, okay, so maybe they're gonna do something with this character. He's like having a turnaround. He's like talking to Jin, and he's like seeing some regret for his decision. And it's like, no, nah, we're just gonna drop a planet on him. I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's an elegant way to remove a side plot. <laughs> it's like, well, the whole side plot is on this planet, and now it is gone. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
Yeah, and I enjoy Forrest Whitaker's performance because no matter what role he's in, he'll always be, he'll make a, a performance memorable just by his sheer presence. Yeah, he chews up the scene. Yeah, and he definitely did it with this, especially with the breathing apparatus, as we've made many a jokes of thus far. Um, and going to saying before, like you have that on the planet of Jeddah, we have it's it's under enemy occupation by by the Empire, and stormtroopers patrol the streets regularly. Mm-hmm. And we see a guerrilla war, uh, guerrilla uh, fight break out by Saw Gerrera's extremists, and our characters are caught in the in the uh, the crossfire. And we kind of like now there is a book actually I have it on my table there. It's called Save the Cat, the last book on screenwriting you ever need. And like Blake Snyder talks about like um, a character needs to have what they call a Save the Cat moment or a moment where. The character goes out of their way to help another person or help another individual or object for the greater good and stuff like that. Like, have your character save a cat when it's like it's going to get run over by a car. The audience immediately has a kind of moment like, oh, I can kind of latch onto this character because he's a good. This person is a good person, and everything like that. And I love how Jin has that moment where it's saving the little girl during this this uh, this uh, attack. I had a weird moment during that scene with. The, like, kind of, like, handmade bombs they had and, like, them popping out, of, like, the on the rooftops and everything like that and everything. Uh, I feel like, now, you look at how the movies were in the, the, the um, 70s, like, Empire bad, the rebels good, triumph over evil and everything like that. Everything is fine and dandy and stuff like that. Now, the world has definitely changed from then to now, and seeing a militarized vehicle get ambushed like that i kind of had a weird moment i kind of almost felt slightly bad for the stormtroopers because of just how things have happened in recent times and recent warfare did you guys have a moment like that or did you guys have, did you guys question that or now when you bring it up does it raise an eyebrow for you guys it raised a little bit of an eyebrow i guess i kind of felt that more for the uh stormtroopers on the prison escort right they're just doing their jobs you can tell they're one of them was passed out just sitting there too. Yeah, I mean they look like shit. They they got the shittiest like job. Shit. Yeah, it's a horrible job. They're on some planet they don't want to be. And guess what? They just fucking just get let the fuck up. Yeah, I mean I that I felt more bad for them than the military escort because the military escort, if you really think about it, they were tra- they were tra- uh, they were guarding the transport of stolen kyber crystals yeah. from inside the temple. Yeah. So they were that, looting. That was looting. So yeah. they kind of had a little bit coming to them. Yeah, I know. And it, like, I'm not saying, like, I feel like, oh, they were doing the wrong thing or anything like that, but it's just, like, I don't know. I just get, like, it, but images it, of, like, IEDs or something like that, and, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this, Actually, is, this more, is a weird feeling That more now. reminded me of the scene, same with Private Ryan, where they make the uh, sticky bombs. Yeah. Like, and socks they, and tar, and they slap it onto the tanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... So if you want to if you want to talk like really big scale, so like that kind of parallel makes sense for our modern day dealing with sort of insurgency warfare and stuff. And then you talked about sort of the original movies being very versus good versus evil, which if you want to talk big picture for a second. That mirrors perfectly the Cold War, which is U.S. Russia, Russia yeah. bad, U.S. good. Yeah. And like there's no blurring of lines. So mm-hmm. in, in a way, it's weird because the narrative is adapting to our modern climate, but it still was like. I understand, but it, I don't know if it was intentional for them to make those parallels, but I think if they were going to make those parallels, I would rather have them made some kind of statement. 
mm-hmm. rather than just saying like acknowledge rather than acknowledgement, just like this does happen. Right. Like, okay, yeah, I know it happens. I have CNN. It's twenty four hours. Yeah. Make tell me something. You know, mm-hmm. interpret it for me. Don't just show it to me because unfortunately that stuff is just e- too easy to find nowadays. And, and that's that's the, I think one of the best things about science fiction overall. It takes what's happening in our world now, mm-hmm. and it makes a statement on it, and he puts it in a future setting. Yeah, and then that's the one. That's one of the greatest things about science fiction it, it is a commentary of what's happening in our times now. You think of going back to the Planet of the Apes before the author. I mean, the guy who wrote the screenplay for Planet of the Apes was a, a was part of. He was one of the uh, writers that's blacklisted during the Red Scare in Hollywood and everything mm-hmm. like that. So he knows what it's like to be persecuted and chained up and like kind of treated less than human amongst his peers. So he interpreted that in his own weird way, some have said, with the writing of Plan the Apes. So you could have like they could have had a moment and made a statement about that. Um you can even like argue like the Ewoks like the a technologically invent um primitive culture defeating a technology advanced uh, army you could you want to be really analytical and like say Vietnam parallels right there that the natives of the of the land overthrew an army that was coming in that was invade technically invaders in their eyes and stuff like that. Right, right. If you wanted to get really anal about that, it's yeah. a stretching there, but like you yeah. could have gotten a B minus on that pay paper paper if you wanted to. <laughs> but so and and I, I know I mean to be harping on this kind of one, but but there was one moment like I I kind of took me out of the movie. I'm just like. That's going to be interesting to talk about when I eventually do. Yeah. But, I mean, the actual set piece was I still enjoyed. Anyway, let's move on to the villains, unless you have anything else you want to add to this, Dakota. No, um, no I'm good. Okay. Um, let's talk about Krennic himself, the, the one who's really the kind of like the harbinger of the uh, Death Star until he's overtaken by our next villain. But let's talk about Krennic right now. Your feelings on him. I kind of I- – I have all the characters besides K2SO. I think they really kind of more developed him the most. Like you kind of understand why he's being, why he's such a douche. Yeah. Um, he's power hungry. He yes. wants he the Death Star is his, and he wants to see that thing a hundred percent complete. That's his legacy. And that that's his legacy. That's and he wants full power of it when it comes online. And every other step after that is making sure the thing runs right. And the thing's going to be in his control. Yeah. Thing runs right, so he's like, okay. Then he goes, finds out there's the, something bad happened, so he went to go kill uh, Jyn Erso's father mm-hmm. um, and all the scientists that were on it. But at the same time, he's fighting with Grand Moff Tarkin, and he's fighting with uh, Darth Vader over control of the Death Star because he thinks it's his, his Death Star. Yeah. And then, obviously... Um, Darth Vader was just like the Emperor doesn't want it to be yours, you dumb fuck. And plus, uh, plus me and like uh, Tarkin, like like this, me and Tarkin, we bros, we we held the club at night. And like you were sounding like a little weaselish, weaselish coming to me asking for help. Yeah, what a douche. But that's don't so chalk on your ambitions, director. It's like, oh. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like Vader made a pun. I was like. Like, I laughed silently to myself. I was like, ah, oh, such vindication for my puns. Uh, no, but I like, I do like Krennic. He's not the best villain in the, he's not the best villain. No. But at least we understand why he's, why he's so angry. Yeah. So that's really, I, I like him. He serves the, he serves the movie pretty well. Yeah. I, I think, I think my byword for, for Krennic's character would be effective. Everything that they showed of him and everything he developed, it, it made him be an effective bad guy. Like, you got the idea that he wasn't some, you know, 
stupid pencil-pushing bureaucrat. No. Because just in his first scene, he shows up to death troopers, and he's like, all right, look, it's only going to go one way. Did and, uh, yeah, come with me. I don't care how many people I have to kill. This I'll is be polite this... to a point. Right. Yeah. But this is this is what's happening. Like, you got to know, like, look, this this guy, he, he's gotten as far as he has in his life because he's a he's ruthless. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how this Death Star got built, because he's ruthless. And that's... It's not an admirable trait, but in a bad guy, it's admirable. Yeah, it's something you want to see in a, the in a bad guy. It's admirable. Yeah, right, right. And um, anything else? No, I mean it's just it was he was just I thought a good character. Uh, I don't I don't mean the end his end stuff was whatever, but yeah, that that but who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that point, come on. Yeah, him at the end was it's like. Like, How, well, I mean, I, I mean a, little, I'm a little confused there. He's not... What, from what it builds up, he's not... I mean, he's a take-control character, but not to the the degree of, you I'm going gets... to chase you with a gun now. Ooh. I think he would. Ah. I think he, I think he, because he's gotten, he's gotten so out of hand at this point, like, the only way I can save face if I handled this myself. Yeah, but... It... And since, he, since he's delegated tasks to other people, and it's obviously failed up until this point... He needs to take uh, control of it, as well as the fact that I don't. You, you think of Vader, put him in his place, and show him he does not really have control. Maybe it's like kind of convince himself that I have control. I can I can put an end to this right now if I put uh, if I shoot her in the head myself. Yeah, I guess so, but I, it it's just, not clear. It doesn't. It just didn't work for me. Like him, That's fair. him being down with all the people gunning for them. I mean, yeah, the final standoff on top of the tower. Between uh, him and Jin, okay, I can I can live with that. Him going to chasing both, both Jin and Cassian into the uh, the the databanks, mm-hmm. I don't buy that. It could possibly be anyone a repeat of Tarkin, a person who just kind of stands in the throne room and doesn't really get his hands dirty, and it kind of like elevates attention in that scene of them climbing up the data tower to get the uh, get the plans. To me, I don't know. It maybe I think I understand exactly what you're saying. I think maybe he's the kind of character that would be better if he had like three or four like crack soldier dudes that he like trusted to do nothing but what he told them at the time. And he was like, "All right, look, you four and me, we're going to the data center." Like, like if he, he had like, death troopers with him the entire time, right? Because he seems like the kind of guy who would keep this trusted guard with him to get take care of business if it ever needed to get done. Instead of him having to do it personally. He's like, yeah, I'm there, but these like, guys, like I'm, de- I'm delegating. Like on the pl- platform of that one planet, right. where he's there and he tells his death troopers to kill all the scientists. Yeah, like exactly. th- like that. But mm-hmm. him chasing, but him with the actual gun in the hand, I don't. I agree. Yeah. With that, when they're climbing up the like the tower and everything, just take the music from GoldenEye when they're on the big satellite <laughs> at the end. <laughs> and, and all right, and let's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to credit, but I want to talk about that tower scene for a second. But I'm like, so they go up there and they have all the data banks. I'm like, so this is the inside of Apple. <laughs> That's where all the iTunes information is stored at that point. Past OS's, yes, it's like up there. <laughs> and I love the fact that, it, like, and it's something that I'll get into later. Is like, the, I love the tactileness, and I love that it's actual data tapes. It's like on reel to reels to, as well, yeah. which I loved. I was like, oh, that's a Production design thing is really that was really well done. I'm sorry, they just popped in my mind from Zoolander, uh, Hansel, like, yeah, we have the computer, it has all the files in it. Yeah, he throws the computer down, it just crashes. Where's, Where's all the, the files? 
<laughs> They're breakdancing fighting. <laughs> just like add that into that scene, and it's just like, oh god, we were so screwed. <laughs> like, this is the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> like, why haven't we won yet? Yeah, I mean, exactly. If, if these are if these are the guys I have to deal with. We I think not- Hansel, not Han Solo. That Hans, that Hansel is so hot right now. Hansel, um, yeah, I enjoy Krennic <laughs> as being a person who takes a, an immense amount of pride in his work, and even to the point where he is. Obviously, he'll put other lives at risk, and he also, he's willing to put his livelihood in risk in order to prove that he is good at his job and everything. Like, it's another reason why people like Darth Vader, it's another people like Hannibal Lecter, or any other villains. If they're good at their job, mm-hmm. you'll watch them do it. Like, mm-hmm. you look at Breaking Bad, and like how Walter White goes from a good person to a fumbling drug dealer to a good drug dealer and a good drug empire. And once he goes down that path and how he becomes so efficient, you can't take your eyes off him because he's so good at what he does. And same thing with Krennic, that he's somebody who does believe in taking charge in the situation and then had the rug take, ripped out from underneath him by a, a superior officer. And how, like, we've all been in the situation, like, you've been in a group activity and you've done a lot of the work. And you guys, and one person's like, oh, so, and the teacher's like, oh, you guys did a lot of work. I'm, and everybody gets graded equally, but deep down, you know, like, I did more work than everybody else here. Shouldn't I be compensated for picking up the slack here? Oh, group projects. And, or somebody who takes a lot more credit, and you're just like, no, bullshit, I did more of the work there. I can see where he's coming from with that. With that. And then I do love the weasel moment when he goes to... Uh, the Bass Castle, the Darth Vader Castle, to uh, ask for support. And then the Vader's like, dude, I was in my back to taint trying to recuperate, and you're coming here with this bullshit? Really, dude? Like, all right. I, like, um, this, this is, the Empire's plans are bigger than your pride right now, and I'm not going to deal with you right now. Force chokes up a good pleasure. He's like, ugh. Say, like... Dear Diary, Force choked another Imperial. Today was a good day. Dear Diary. Breathe. I Force choked choked a director today. It was enjoyable. I dropped a pun too. Huh? Huh? For good measure. Ha. 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 Oh, man. And... I, I like I said I enjoyed Krennic and I, I wish we got to see more of his his lackeys the Death Troopers more a little bit like sure we got to see their stuff with the dealing with the other rebels on the, the beach of Scarif and everything like that and I like the entrance a lot of people have a lot of problems with like people landing so far away and then walking up to the Galen farm and stuff like that I thought of this why the fuck did the Empire land so far away from Echo Base Iron Cannon? And, and, like, it's true, the Iron Cannon. It's not like... And, like, they land the they land so far away and they take the slowest vehicle possible with the AT-ATs to cross an, uh, an ice planet. And it's like, you could have brought in... Like, sure, the Star Stars may not have bombarded them because of the, the, the shield. You could have brought the Star Star right above the Echo Base, dropped a bunch of uh, TIE Fighters, and just to secure them from getting out of there. Like that—that's my own. That—that's me being like, if I want to be nitpicky, and that I'm not taking anything away from Empire Strikes Back or anything like that. You're never gonna make it in the Empire team. Your plan—they're too efficient. Yeah, but scare tactics. Well, you don't know the uh, 
the land-to-air defenses that the Rebels have in place. No, but... Because if you park a Star Destroyer over them, and it brings just your giant underbelly up, and they have actual, like, actual devastating cannons to fire directly up at you, not only are you putting your ship at risk, but you're putting your drop ships at risk. But they never made it explicit that they had that. I know, but then you just assume that because they're landing so far away, that gives them a place to, one, land, set up, Organize their attack I'm, and then pursue. I am just making the point here. People are saying like, "Why did he park so far away?" Like, sure, all right. If you don't want to park right above the echo base, sure, you're gonna park a hundred yards away or two hundred yards, not three miles away for the eighteen eighteen to take eighteen minutes to get there to fire upon the echo base. It's eighteen minutes. Yeah, and you know, echo base could have been like uh, evacuated, like. Like cockroaches turning. We don't alive. exactly know how long this battle was, Tim. I know. It, I mean, in movie terms, it was what six minutes, eight yes. minutes. But in, in real life, it could have been a couple hours. True. So, uh, Colossus is a bit stretching it. Helm's Deep's battle. I can see that being a couple hours. Helm's Deep was through the night. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I'm just anyway. Making, I'm making the point, like people. But credit. But I know, entrance was being a point of contention for people. I quote uh, Albus Dumbledore on this: "You just don't land yourself in front of someone's house because it's just rude." There we go. And also, it, uh, even though I, I assume the idea was like, because it, it looked cool. It looked good in the storyboards. It, it looked great in the storyboards, but in that tactical, like in that actual scene, it probably was the best thing because one, you're landing far away, so you can actually do like a scope of like with the surrounding area. And two, when you're walking up like that, one, it shows power. Yeah. Two, you actually can see, um, because you're spread out like that, you can flush out any traps or anything like that on your way up. And f- it gives you more eyes and more locations. Mm. Yeah. Why, why, it's like, it makes more sense to park far away than, and walk up instead of just land right at the door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. That's why a goalie comes out of the net, right? Cut the angles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, know, I, I know it seems like I was getting very defensive about that. It's just like, people are just like, where the fuck? They parked so far away. Walked like that. And just like, really? Now you're nitpicking, guys. Right, you I, fat I, fuck. If you would benefit from walking that far. I... <laughs> I, I think I think we all know the secret here. Tim has become the secret Reddit nerd. I and just because I post is, my work on Reddit does not mean I'm a secret Redditor. No, no, that's that's because it is assumed the identity, and he must then take upon his personalities. Why aren't they far so far away? <laughs> no, I, I didn't have a problem with the marking where so far. Uh-huh. I was in defense uh-huh. of it. Sure, you, but you were just trolling Echo Base on Hoth. You fuck! Uh, yeah. You fat! You did wait! You did wait! I did whole nerd rant of them parking right away from the hot base. Can't you finally understand the actual military strategic of buying the goddamn thing here? You could have to, in theory, you could have sacrificed your own starship to crash land right into Echo Base, and everyone would fucking die. But guess what? We wouldn't have a second movie. We wouldn't even have a third movie. We wouldn't have the. the we wouldn't have the extended universe. So guess what? Shut the fuck. And it returns. <laughs> I was saying, like, n- an hour and 25 minutes in, Reddit nerd. No, the reason why I bring, I was trolling Empire Strikes Back, it was oh, to oh, point out the absurdity of those criticisms. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, All right. Fine. I, uh, Whatever. Use use good hyperbole. Yeah. If you want, don't let your facts get in the way of my narrative, man. No, no, yeah. I'm just saying, like, uh, like I have no problem with it, and nor do I have a problem with the Empire Strikes Back and them flying so far, because no, I love the tension build up in that scene. Yeah. It makes better. Yeah, and just, I love them looking through the binoculars, and they hear something impo- uh, coming close, and you're like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, it doesn't sound like typhoon. Mist on the fucking 
uh, on the mist of the distance, you fucking see the AT-AT walkers. You're going, holy sh- fucking shit. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I was just pointing out the, the kind of inconsistency of fandom that people have. Okay. So. I, I. Like, I wasn't trying to just dig at the Empire Strikes Back. Like, even though I feel like that movie can deserve some more digs and everything like that. Like, I have problems with the ending. But that's beside the point. We'll get on here. Like, this is when everybody switches off the podcast. Nobody's going further here. Tarkin, your feelings. Ugh, Tarkin. Tarkin's awesome. Tarkin is awesome. Fucking Tarkin. Like, oh my god, when they introduced Tarkin, I was watching it with Zach, and I was literally punching him because I was so excited to see Tarkin on the screen. And, and the character itself, the actor who played Tarkin was spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the, besides, because you actually had an actor delivering these lines. Yeah. Actor impersonating uh, Peter Cushing. Yeah. And it was spot on. And like, really, like, they brought Tarkin back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Peter Cushing lives again. Uh, true, the animation sometimes got a little wonky for him. Mm-hmm. But 90% of the time, he looked awesome. Yeah. I think it was, like, really, like, it's creepy. Like, 10%, it's creepy and a little off. But the ni- other 90% is spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for the most part they escaped the uncanny valley with Tarkin's animation, but it to be fair, it was never got to a point when I saw Tarkin and I was like, oh, that's a that's a real person. I as soon as he turned around, I was like, that's a CGI character. Right. I mean, obviously because I know he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but even still, like my brain immediately was like, nope, not real. Um, but yeah, the, the the acting was fine and the animation was good enough that I didn't care. Yeah. That's really what I could say about it. Um, I mean, I think it's an improvement over, like, Tony Stark in Civil War. I thought that was really rough when he's seeing, like, young Tony Stark in that kind of, like, memory bank when he's playing in front of the, uh, what was it, MIT? Yeah, that was, that was no good. And I'm just like, and, I, like, and it's like, it's full, it's a close-up, like, on the left side of the screen, like, everybody's in. It's not in the background or anything like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's a bit much. I'm like, that doesn't look so good. I definitely seen the proof for this. And it's funny that like, the actor who played um, Tarkin in this um, played Sherlock Holmes like years prior, and he based his poems off of Peter Cushing's poems from decades before. So he had played Guy Henry. Guy Henry, thank you. He he had played pretty much a Peter Cushing years ago. So I guess that's probably one of the reasons why he was called upon to do this. Mm-hmm. And I do I admit some moments were kind of uncanny, uncanny valley. It's it's the eyes. Eyes are terrible. Always the, always the eyes. It's like, I mean, that's why you wanted to go as big as criticism of Gollum in Lord of the Rings uh, series is that, like, you thought, like, his eyes don't look a little... Yeah, no, Gollum looked... Gollum looked okay up until where you're really starting to look into his eyes and you're all like, that's a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a psychological, sociological thing, right? Like, humans can read so many emotions out of eyes, so, like, it's... I can't... I, I you know I I don't envy the task of an animator who has to try to replicate a human eye who has like so many small emotions that we perceive. Yeah. But like any the, the problem too is that a lot of a lot of times you see animation it looks extremely deliberate because someone has to think how would a person emote if they wanted to feel sadness and they have to sit there and think okay what does sadness look like and when you draw it like it looks good but you know that that person is saying I am sad. Because someone has to, you know, it's not like it's it's organically happening. Someone has to plan. Every it's consciously rather than being a subconscious, uh, correct feeling. Correct. And I know when I draw sadness or like any other emotion, I make the face that I'm trying to imitate. So it's like I have the face on it. So I can only imagine like graphic designers imitating that and doing like if they make the same face. Yeah. Sitting there for weeks on end with a scowl on their face. <laughs> <laughs> just, just 
imagine the, the animators of doing like Batman and Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that. Just just permanent scowl face the entire time. It's just like my face is stuck. Help! I need Botox. <laughs> um. No, both of us can make it worse. Never mind. Um, and I do enjoy the fact that Tarkin kind of just like, yes, you're kind of a terrible person. I am taking, I am exuding my control and I am taking over the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And he pulls a power play move and everything like that. And I love the fact that it's like, go ahead and try it. Let's see what happens. Like, go to the Empire or like, go to Vader. See if I, see if I care. Okay. Here's my biggest question. Because there's two different origins of where the Death Star comes from. Mm-hmm. One origin, which has actually been the one that's been with the canon, is actually that Grand Moff Tarkin came up with the idea and part, part of the designs during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But we also know in Attack of the Clones... It's a Geonosian design. Geonosians made the... De- like have the de- made At least the, the blueprints. The blueprints of the Death Star. So who designed the Death Star, really? Probably we'll go from the movie's canon. So... T- Geonosian design names, kind of like at least the at least the outer shell was kind of their design and everything like that. The inter working is what. Yeah, and then that's and then yeah. they that's why I feel like they couldn't get to work for years, hence so that's why he went to Galen or so in the first place. That's why yeah. Krennic went there to it, get him to solve their problems. It could have been one of those things that's like, okay, this is what an SUV looks like, but what is a Ford SUV going to look like? So this is what a Death Star could be. But let's make it real. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the thing. Like, the Junior Ocean's figured out, like, okay, it has to be this big so it doesn't fall out of the atmosphere. But, like, the inner workings, the laser, whatever, maybe it was up to him to sit down and be like, okay, how the hell are we going to do this now? Like, what, what are we going to make this thing out of? Right. And then imagine, like, since they had gotten the plans nailed down by the time the first Death Star was complete, like, oh, now we know how to do it. That's why they were able to turn around in, like, three years be able to build another one. Yeah, I mean, a bigger one. Yeah, Granted, it was unfinished, yeah. but I feel like. Do you think the second Death Star was being built after the Battle of Yavin, or do you think it was being built simultaneously? Oh, that's that's a, that's a point of contention to some Star Wars fans. I mean, that that's almost impossible to know, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just this is just a personal. I thought opinion I heard the, somewhere or read somewhere that it once the first Death Star was finished, the second one was immediately commissioned. Really, that's what I. Th- that may have been in the first Dawn trilogy book. I could be wrong. Oh, maybe. Like, but the EU is no longer canon at this point. So now this it's just legends. This is true. But they did reprint. But Disney has reprinted that trilogy. Uh, since the Disney era, they have commissioned that trilogy. Well, because Dawn is a character officially. Yeah. yeah. Because because Timothy Zahn wrote the book uh, Thrawn since the acquisition of uh, Lucas Lucas uh, film and everything like that. So. Maybe now they're just being picky and choosy, like what they want to keep and what's can and what's considered legends at this point. Which is kind of that's a problem, what's one of the problems with the Disney acquisition of the Star Wars property. Yeah, because like uh, just a quick side note, like the Plagueis book became was reprinted. The Darth Bane book was reprinted under Disney. Like they're treading a lot of weird lines where it's like, what are they, what are they playing at? Because mm-hmm. obviously now that we've seen Episode Seven. The Thrawn trilogies can't exist. No. They're not compatible at all. No. It's a hard break. So, I mean, do they reprint it just because it's, it's a popular series and they want fans to be able to read it again? It's quite possible. I mean, it's just, you know, like, hey, here's a nice Star Wars-flavored novel. I mean, like, what you're saying, bring, printing the Darth Plagueis one does raise questions. Is like, yeah. all right, is that officially canon? Will that... 
Will Snook beat Plagueis, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I mean... I mean, you could bring Thrawn, because there is all that huge gap between episodes six and seven, so you can have, like, a Thrawn movie. How, how awesome would it be, like, all of a sudden, like, the Rebel- the, the New Republic... Like a spin-off, three, spin-off threequel. 6.5. 6.5, well, 6.75, 6.95. It's not even that. Like, uh, just imagine, like, you're the last Jedi. They're dealing with a Star Destroyer, and it pulls back. It's Thrawn sitting in the chair. And you would be and, a very older Thrawn. It would be a very older Thrawn, but you would be like, what? No, they close out with, like, like, well, Admiral, we have them on the run. Good. Good. And it's just a dark room, and then he just spins around. You see it's, it's, glowing it's, it's, red eyes. You go, ah! Surrounded by, ar- surrounded by statues, and you're like, Wait, no. And it's just like, everything's dark except for like one light illuminating a table and then all of a sudden his, his eyes open and it's red and that's the very last <laughs> Directed by whoever. Right, Justin. That's when I start, I start, I start, I start throwing haymakers at people, whoever's there. Fuck you, Disney. You fucking did this to me. Shut up and take my money right now. Yeah. Oh. No. Now, now, now oh. I'm going to be disappointed with the last Jedi and Thrawn's not going to beat it now. We just yeah. set up with such expectation now. If there was a if there was a time to crowbar Thrawn into a movie, Rogue One was the one to do it, right? Yeah. Like that was that was the golden opportunity because you can seal that off. They'd be like, "Hey, look, man, Ooh, there he is. There he goes. He's going off the unknown regions. Who knows what's going to happen?" Ah, uh-huh. uh, anyway, we're talking about the last character we'll talk about. Then we'll talk about certain characteristics of movies, and then we'll wrap up. Darth Vader. Oh, oh, movie. Ah. <laughs> oh. I wish they had more. <laughs> I, I mean, Chris Duckman probably, uh, I listened to a couple of Chris Duckman reviews, the, both the non-spoiler and spoiler review of his movie, and he did say that he would have rather had some replace, flip-flop the amount of screen time Grandma Tarkin had and Darth Vader had, mm-hmm. um, which I can agree. Some of the line delivery by uh, Tarkin to Krennic would have probably been better if Darth Vader was supervising, and then they br- tied... Uh, uh, Tarkin in, mm-hmm. but the way they had it in Rogue One was pretty good, I thought. Um, you could tell that James Earl Jones' voice is much older, yes. and he probably didn't have as much energy to really, like, do it, but he gave his all in those short performances. Yeah. Short performances. I absolutely loved it. And, yeah, he, he was intimidating the, when we first met him, and then, oh my god, when he came into that final fight in the Inquisitor... And just destroyed the entire rebel armada that was right there, and then boarded the rebel ship and just caused like, oh, oh I just orgasmed. <laughs> I didn't, but I did. Uh... <laughs> that's me taking the, that's me taking life a bull by the horns. But I really happened. I really did that. <laughs> but oh, they nailed him. Yeah. I think they nailed him, and they, they needed to. They needed if they messed up on him. Yeah, um, then we they were they were the movie would probably really have suffered a lot, a lot more. But they nailed him, and he was perfect. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think man, fucking Vader, dude, just <laughs> like just going ham on those oh guys. You, you wanted to. You yeah, wanted you're to, like, you're like, oh almost, man. You're almost cheering for that one guy to get out of that hole. Like, yeah. let's go, go, no, open no, the door, no, open no, the door. No, oh yeah. god. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I take, I take undeniable oh. to my core umbrage with this goddamn pun. I, I am the anti-pun oh. club. Darth Vader does not deliver puns. 
I was so mad. I was like, this is so stupid. Why? But um, I that that yeah that end scene made me really happy. And then I left the movie theater, and my friend, I swear, I wanted to slap him. He was like. You know what's really sad? And I was like, what? That's probably the last time we're going to see Darth Vader do that on screen. And I was like, you motherfucker. Just because you're right doesn't mean you have to tell me that. I uh, like, really? Like, that's that's never going to happen again. That was like, do flashbacks. Well, that's true. But I mean, like, I'm glad they did that because I feel like the Rogue One director was like, when are we ever going to do this again? Yeah. Darth Vader's got to murder some fools right here. Because yeah. This, this is the time. This is right now the time. Um, James Earl Jones is still with us. It is time for him to start murdering fools. Yeah. And I love, like, the introduction of, like, they, they fly into the, the planet and you see his castle. And people are kind of like, wait, do you, do you think? And all of a sudden, opens up to that, that big chamber and it's, like, the big red guards in the back to tank. You're like, oh, really? And then Krennic is standing on that platform and then there's, like, the door opens, the steam fills the room. And all of a sudden, he just walks through it. And you're like, oh! And, like, okay, odd criticism. Do you think the suit would look a little rubbery? I didn't think the suit looked rubbery. I just think that the actor didn't look tall enough and big enough. I just think it wasn't he, like he wasn't like built like David Prowse used to yeah, be. Yeah, like Darth Vader when he got, when I first saw him, I was like, "What? Like his little brother coming?" Like <laughs> was it was I felt like it was like um um the movie Troy when someone impersonates uh, Achilles. Yeah, it's like is this wearing Achilles? Is this wearing Darth Vader's armor? <laughs> but it, yeah, I didn't I didn't find any problems with the suit. Maybe like the neck thing was a little. Weird if I want to nip that. And I wonder if it's because they're shooting with like such high def HD cameras of it. Could have been that whole way. They could have been that way all along. And it could have just been like that way. It just just has so much detail, and it's like, oh, ooh, the degradation of like film processing made it look cooler and everything like that. But I'm like, maybe it's because like high def being so unforgiving, it's kind of like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's just been like that the entire time. Um, uh, I'm a person who lives on puns, so Darth Vader might have put up. Yeah, with like the helmet at the bottom, like. No, it, it was. I don't know. It, it stuck out weirdly too far to me. I maybe it's again been there the entire. It, it could have just been the, the angles or the way that the actor. I mean, was yeah, I agree. It. it may have stuck out way too much in that scene, but the way the mask has been shaped, it's always been like that. Yeah, and like I said, it it, it could have just been the, the the person wearing the the costume. I thought mm. could have been yeah meaner and bigger. Um. And of course, like him making the pun, I thought that was amazing. And then, nope. then you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just wrong. Uh, was that he had red eyes? I think it was a reflection of the outside. The reflection of the of the, the room the itself. On the outside, yeah, that was cool. And I do find it funny that like he would set up base camp, the place that that um, turned him into a monster. He lost everything. At yeah, him. I mean. You think you never want to see lava again, unless that's the kind of a weird way of self-punishing yourself, like a reminder of why he does uh, this. All the, all the jokes that came out were one about that. Uh, Maybe they're just the edgiest, edgiest no. dark Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. With I, the Hot Topic logo on it, everything <laughs> on, the, on the building. <laughs> no, one of the one of the biggest criticisms was like, okay, Darth Vader shows up late to, and he pretty much then, which then proceeded to, uh, a New Hope. But everyone's like, why didn't he fight on the planet? Like, why didn't he arrive oh, yes. at it? And then all the jokes like, because it was set, there was sand. He hates oh, sand. sand. <laughs> <laughs> it gets everywhere. It gets, it's small, of course. course gets it everywhere. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And of course, then, then they have that scene where they're, you kind of wish like, if only had the USB 3.0, that transfer would have taken a lot quicker than it was to 
go from the data tape to the, that flash drive. The Wi-Fi was poor. Definitely. And then, of course, it's just like, like, the shoo, and they, <laughs> they look down the hallway, and you're like, and every audience member is like, it has to be. Please, please. And then all of a sudden, and illuminates, you're like, and you're like, they're all dead. They're all going to die. They're all going to die. And do you think they knew they were all going to die? At that moment, yeah. Yeah, Do you really think they were like, and do you think if they surrendered, do you think you would have let them live? No. You think you would have slaughtered them if they threw down their weapons? Okay. Vader. Dude, I actually was afraid when I saw that scene. I was in the back of my mind. I was like, oh, Disney. You better stick with this scene or I will never forgive you. Because I honestly thought they would cut away from, away from it. But I was so, was so blown away that they stuck with it. And you just saw the slaughter. And I, and, I, <gasps> and I think one of my favorite moments is, like, of course, he's deflecting laser bolts with his hand and his lightsaber. And he's cutting down. I love the one he throws. He sticks to one guy to the ceiling. Yeah, and the- then he drags his lightsaber across him as he's passing him through the hallway. And then the very last one is the door can't open. He's reaching his arm through the o- the opening, and he's like, "Take it, take it, just take it." And then, and then he forces the door open, and pretty much like oh. cutting over, cutting the guy open even more because he doesn't remove the blade before he opens the door. And it's funny the Star Wars Oxygen podcast I was telling you about. Um, the guy who does most of the analytical stuff on there worked for Lucasfilm, and he's a music major. He worked on a lot of the music for the video games and stuff like that. And he did ADR for Stormtroopers. And he's he's actually that soldier. Like, take it! Take it! Take it now! As, as this being, doors being opened on him. And I was like... And I realized that podcast before I... Before this podcast, because I wanted to have all that information in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I was like... I, I You kind of wish, like, I wish that was 40 minutes longer. I know it's like... that. That's... that's in reality, like that's horrible. Like Darth Vader just torturing people for forty minutes. I'm like I enjoyed the movie Hostel, so that that makes me a sick person. I know that. Um, but seeing Darth Vader as the badass as we've known him, yeah. we about it. Kind of it, that was totally to wash away the sins of Revenge of the Sith. Like no, and then the Return of the Jedi re-edit of him saying no as he tosses the Emperor over the edge and down the shaft of the Death Star. That was totally. I bet you that was like a like a story point before the script was even written. Like, like, all right, we need to have this, and we need to have this, and we need to have Darth Vader be a badass at one point. We don't know how we're gonna get there, but that's a directive that we must hit. And I'm so glad they did that. Yeah, me too. I, I like I said, I I don't care if it maybe was like you know really you didn't have to have that scene in the movie, mm-hmm. but it I needed to be there. Yes, it had to be there. And, and I, I, I applaud those troopers trying their dandest to cut him down, and, if, and it does not work. And I love the fact, like, it goes in the hallway, and this other guy's just trying to, like, wait, what's going on? Not knowing Vader is coming, and also they turn the corner, and they don't even have a chance to fight, yep. and he gets cut down, and then he gets to the edge of the platform as the blockade runner detaches, and he's like, fuck you! And flies away, like, flipping them off as they drive away. Like, enjoyed that moment, and Darth Vader's just like, hmm, alright, see how far you get. I'm jumping back in my ship, and then the chase continues off into episode four. Now, okay. since we're handing off the baton, we gotta talk about the, the end of the movie. We gotta talk about young Leia. Yes. And a bigger question is, the moral ramifications of resurrecting dead actors with this new technology. Is it morally right? 
to oh. do this. If they have permission from the family and stuff like that, like, like the only like living survivor of like Peter Cushing's family is actually like his secretary from years prior, and then she gave the, per- the permission to do this. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure that the estate gets paid for the likelihood. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's okay if if one, it's tasteful. Yes. And two, if it's um. If it's if it serves the purpose, mm-hmm. because actually technically they've done this in the past, but it wasn't with CGI. It was just taking old clips. Yes, I mean they they threw a bunch of actors in. From we saw like we saw old leader. We saw red leader. Yeah, um, we saw yeah. The, they're probably dead. Yeah, or near dead. Yeah, but they got back into the movie because they used deleted scenes from or extra footage from the original New Hope. Yeah. Um, but, like, a couple years back, there was, like, a Godiva chocolate commercial that used Audrey Hepburn in it. Yes. I mean, like, but, well, but her sons approved of it because it's like, oh, yeah, that's what my mother would probably have done. But Bruce Lee had, like, a, uh, had like, a, can- like a Mars bar commercial and, uh, like, a, a soda commercial. And, like, people thought they cried foul saying, like, Bruce Lee would never have gotten behind those ad campaigns. Like, like there was a Steve McQueen Mustang commercial from like ten years ago that I remember. Yeah. But like says Steve McQueen drove a Mustang and Bullet, and they resurrected the Bullet footage. Yeah, yeah. No, sure. I mean it's I like I said, if one the state signs off on it, it's tasteful and it's appropriate. Now the thing is, now since Carrie Fisher's passed away, and like, but she signed off on it. She I, had to have signed no, off. No, I'm talking on about it. I'm talking about episode nine now. They said they won't they won't digitally resurrect her. Okay. They, they, I remember when she passed away, they said they were, they're not going to digitally resurrect her. All right. Do you think they're going to recast her? Or are they I think they're going to write her off in the movie. Do you think she'll die because like, we'll find out in the crawl how she died? I don't think she'll die necessarily. I just think she'll take a more leadership role. She'll be like Mon Mothma, who shows up in like three scenes in the whole trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'll just be like, hey, yo, uh, this is a, this turns out New Republic. Kind of a big deal. I'm just going to go home and, and like manage the Senate or something. And right. use extra footage. Yeah, if they need to splice yeah. something in. Like somebody brought up, like on fact, like 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 they show the back of like the person who's supposed to be like uh, Princess Leia, and they have like her grab her arm or grab her chest and stuff like that, and we see that one moment, and then in the like the opening of Episode Nine opens with her funeral mm-hmm. of Princess Leia, and you're like, and you kind of get that catharsis of like the movie is like acknowledging the passing of Carrie Fisher at that point. I'm I'm sure in Episode Eight, like the first credit we're gonna see. Or, like, the last main credit before the actual credits begin, like, when they do, like, like starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker and everything. And then the last one, like, for Carrie Fisher. Oh, yeah. For, uh, they say better. And then, oh, yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> oh theaters around the world will be set ablaze if they don't do it. Yeah. Um, so you you guys have a problem with it as long as the Duntasley and the family uh, um, signs off on it? I don't know. Like, so there, there's that part of my brain, that the logical part, that says, like, yeah, obviously, if the family signs off on it, in theory, they should be the one that knows the person the best, and they're the ones who can really have that say. Right. But there's another part of me that says... Not every family the, member has the best interest in mind. Yeah, that's also true. But it's more so that, like, I don't... This is more like a, a larger argument. I don't like too much to hang on to the artifacts of the past, because there's so much that we have now that we can do pushing forward. Like, why do we always have to harken back to something else when we could create something of our own now, in our current day? That's a that's a bigger argument than this this thing. Yeah. Despite but, the fact you're a history major. Yes, despite the fact that. I'm, <laughs> but, but see, Tim, I understand the value of history, okay. and I can therefore make an informed argument. 
all right then. <laughs> like, I was just I'm like, I was like, oh my, a bell was ringing in the back of my head. Like, wait a second here. Well, no, I mean, but it's like, okay, so even just look at it this way, right? Like, Star Wars is not our generation's movie. It's our parents' generation's movie. Yes. But we still like Star Wars, but make a Star Wars for us. And the, the new trilogy is supposed to be that. Yeah. But. And that's why I think, like. done yet. That's why I feel like, that's why my favorite parts of. Force Awakens are the scenes with the new actors and stuff like yeah, that. Sure, absolutely. We have loved the moments with Han Solo, Chewie, and Princess Leia, and C-3PO interrupting uh, in important moments. <sighs> can we talk about the metallic cock block? Can I, can I just make a side comment? I wish C-3PO and R2 weren't in Rogue One. That they, was, they such, was kind a, of such a distraction. Just, yeah. Especially <sighs> if we were building momentum at that point, and we like, and we stopped for a joke, even if it was just for a beat. Yeah, that was here we go. Because the meaning, you know, the the two the two guys from the cantina in in Jeddah, that was fine. Like that didn't bother yeah. me so much. That was just like a it, yeah. you had to Dr. you got to be real. You got to be a real Star Wars nerd to get that reference. Mm-hmm. But C three PO was just like it. It was like a record scratch moment for the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, check out these characters, and I'm like, look who it is. And I'm like, okay, thank. Yep, time, I got my watch. Timeline checks out. They still exist. <laughs> Funny story. I mean, um, yeah, I, I see that face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like, agree. That, it, that, that, that movie was. I think I even went like, "Oh come on!" when I, when C three PO got a line. I mean, like, like, really? like we'll move into like what part of like the Easter eggs I want to talk about. Oh, I yeah. have a few, and there's like one of them. Like, I I agree. Like having uh, Ponda Bam and Doctor uh, Cornelius Ezra, the, those two characters there from the bar in the canteen, like I looked up their names and everything. Uh, like I would it. never have known their names. Yeah, the, the whole backstory that, that the guy is like, he doesn't like you, is like... Pig face and testicle chin. Uh, pig face is, uh, <laughs> is a surgeon, and he does like yeah. experimental surgery on people when they like, oh, I, I want a facelift. Sure, I'll give you a facelift. And then he just butchers their face for his own uh, pleasure and stuff like that. Like, he's a very dark I backstory. Mean, okay, let's be honest here. His face is all fucked up. Why would you want him to do surgery on you? <laughs> it's like it's like you don't want to go to a nutritionist who weighs like four hundred pounds. You're like, <laughs> or, or a dentist with half his teeth missing. Yeah, you're like, ah. I, I, quote, ba- I quote Batman eighty nine. Eighty nine. Do you see what I have to work with here? <laughs> it's like as as the reason why Jack Daniel has that screwed up face because he went to a back alley surgeon who has three tool sets. And he has to repair your face. No wonder your face is stuck like that. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot happier. <sighs> a woman must be insane. Anyway, anyway, um, my favorite Easter egg besides like having those two characters show up is a line of dialogue a pair of stormtroopers have as they're like ready to begin the assault on Scarif. It's one of like, did you hear the TP like nine fifteen uh, is uh, decommissioned? Ah, oh, thank God, the thing's ancient. That's the name of the speeder that that Luke has, and Luke has that line when he sells it, like, ever since the TP-16 came out, they're just not in demand. They're talking about the newer model on the the, the land, land speeder. And I'm just like, and I, I, I was like, I, I had that moment, like, I know what they're talking about, I know what I'm talking about, what the fuck is wrong with me? I, I really questioned myself, the same thing when I saw Batman v Superman, and they dropped the Phantasm line, I was like, ah, get, get, get. I look around the ears like, anybody else can? Nope, I'm a loser. Cool. Nah, let's see here. Uh, my favorite f- Easter eggs in that thing was probably the inclusion of Gold Leader and Red Leader. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was by far when I saw it. I was like, oh my god. And then you were like, wait. They did have a chubby character, but they did not have Porkins. They did not have Porkins. I was upset. No, but 
uh, doing more homework into it, they actually did tie in uh, two uh, Star Wars Rebels into um, into Rogue One. Okay. Um, their astromech uh, droid Chopper. He was at the rogue base. You could see him going, scooting along. Right. And then the actual ship, the Ghost, was in that final attack, uh, space battle of Scarif. Oh, okay. Which then makes me feel happy that they all died. Yeah, you're not the biggest fan of Rebels, are you? It's it, it desperately it wants to be Disney wanting to be Clone Wars. Yes, and they're failing miserably. Despite the fact it's gone on for three seasons, but then again, terrible TV shows have still gone on for a long time. When they bring back Darth Maul for no reason. What? Still making Supernatural. Uh, Supernatural's gotten like... Ten seasons in? Probably a (laughs) hundred. Easily a hundred. How many times have they killed the devil at this point? It makes me wonder. And they killed all four horsemen of the apocalypse, so... (laughs) All bets are off. (laughs) Yeah, that was a story arc. My friend watches it religiously. I was going to say, like, I I was going to ask him, are you a fan of the show? No, no, no. It was like a quick quick aside. Yeah, no, quick aside. My friend. (laughs) No, I swear. He, uh... When he was, was quick side, when he was graduating um, from grad school at SUNY Oswego, no less, he had to write his thesis, and this is typical for him. It's a week before he has to graduate, and he's like, hmm, should probably start my thesis. So he literally went to the liquor store in Oswego. He bought four bottles of wine, put on Supernatural, and wrote his thesis and drank wine for a week. <laughs> that, that was all he did. What did he get in the thesis? A hundred. An A. Yeah. I hated him. I was like, I fucking, I wish... I wish you fell out off the top of this building, broke a leg, recovered perfectly fine. But we're just inconvenienced for <laughs> the broken leg. So pissed. But yeah, he watched all of Supernatural in a week. Just like, you know, one half of the monitor, paper, one half Supernatural. And he was like, I was like, so what's going on in Supernatural? I don't know, they're killing war. <laughs> like, sure, okay. Okay. Fine. Um... Going back to you saying, yeah, I love – we had to see the Y-Wings be badasses because they're not taken out by chumps like in yeah. New Hope. Um, even though the Y-Wing is not my favorite fighter, the A-Wing is my choice if I had to choose a fighter. Well, if they actually, if the Rebel Alliance actually followed what the manufacturer made for them. What, the, 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 the Y-Wing being a bomber, which it was? Y-Wing, yeah, they finally made the Y-Wing a bomber. But in like, you know – Four, five, and six. The Y wing was doing dog fights. Yeah. Y wing is not designed for dog fights. That's the X wing. Yeah. The A wing is for intercepts and dive bombing. Yeah. That's uh, not a dog fighter either. That's a dive bomber. And we got to see Blue Leader, which is kind of like our our generation. Yes, Biggs. Blue Leader. Yeah. Our generation of Biggs is having fun blowing shit up on on the Scarif. Uh... Yeah, he was actually pretty cool. I, yeah. That character. I don't know his name, but he was pretty cool. Um. And I love the fact that they kind of, uh, it was not like, a, probably not an intentional reference, but like, it's obviously the filmmaker set up to make this a war movie, and they accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where there was like a ground, uh, like aerial assault vehicle, like providing cover for the rebel, the rebels on, on the uh, Scarif uh, beach, and it cuts to the interior of it, and there's a alien like on a gunner just, just taking out stormtroopers, like kind of like an M60 looking thing. I thought a full metal jacket. Yeah. It's like, get some! Get some! As he's taking out stormtroopers. This is, I would think that that, the Battle of Scarif was like the first real, I don't know, outright assault. Outright war scene. Um, Yeah, first outright war scene since the Battle of Hoth, because I don't know if you would consider the Battle of Endor 
really. That... You mean, uh, are you talking about just that it, we've seen? It, yes, seen. Oh, not not chronologically timeline wise. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like we I... didn't have a real big battle in Force Awakens. No, no, we had uh, whatever the aerial strike of um, Star Killer Base. Star Killer Base. It was probably about as big as the raid on the Death Star. Like a handful of couple squadrons, it seemed like. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, was and that it. was not the primary concern. But it was the no. characters on the ground, which mm-hmm. is the focal point. Yeah, right. no. But then you had the Battle of Hoth, which that was a full blown war right there. That yeah, trenches and everything like that, which was pretty cool. Uh, Battle of Endor was okay. Yeah, uh, it was it very. Was, it's cross cut between the aerial battle and the. Lightsaber duel that's going on the Death Star. Yeah. It, does, it does not get that much attention. T- not that much attention. Even though we were going back and forth between the what's what's happening outside of the Scarif and what's happening inside the data banks, you felt the tension. The tension was full through, and you know the risks of these soldiers on the on the on the beaches. Yeah, and yeah, it felt like a it felt like a war movie. Finally, and one of the criticisms of this movie, one of the many criticisms I guess you could say is that the first half of it seemed very choppy and like how it jumps from location to location and setting up each character that's part of his ensemble and by the time that the third act kicks on kicks off into full gear and it becomes a complete assault on Scarif that's what people say that's the better part of the movie because it just flowed so much smoothly everybody you knew what the stakes were you knew where everybody was in relation to each other and everybody just like oh and it was just kind of like it was like a symphony. It was just like everything just fell into place. And all the right notes were played at the exact moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, I kind of want to see what, what Saving Private Ryan in a Star Wars movie would be like. It would be this. And I do find it's probably the instant on Scarab is probably the reason why the Emperor disregards the, the Imperial Senate at that point And he's like, all right, fine. It's probably the backlash of what happened and what the Death Star being actually public knowledge at that point is like all right fine because i love that moment where the government heads on the death star are arguing about the plans being missing and Tarkin's like the imperialist Senate is no longer concerned with us everybody who has a, their own jurisdiction will govern their own lands but will still report to the emperor and everything like that and i presume it's because of the incident on scarab that led to that decision being made like as more baton pa- passing off like that could just mean me um uh, we'll talk about the music, then we'll talk about pros and cons and wrap up. Uh, your feelings on the music, Michael Chikino's score in this? It was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try, I'm really tr- struggling to, rem- to mem- remember something. Right. And I don't. I don't. Granted, we haven't and, had years with it, like the other movies. No, true, but there are some times where you can look, listen to the soundtrack and just go, that was amazing. Yeah. That really captured the mood. Uh, it kind of goes back to kind of how um, crap. Uh, Krennic was like a serviceable villain. The music was serviceable. Granted, he had four weeks to write the music. That that probably was a huge disservice to the movie. Yeah, because it was supposed to be a different composer, and then Michael Cicchino came in very last minute. Yeah. And... I enjoy the score. I like listening to it on its own. Like I really enjoy it, and I, I can see the images flood back to me. Uh-huh. And especially, I love the fact that last track that has like the um, Darth Vader assault on those uh, rebel um, fighters. The track's called Hope. Yeah, and I just find that ironic. Like the slaughter is called Hope because it 
that's the very last line of the movie of yeah. Princess Leia and everything. And I do like the fact that when they we find when we do see uh, Senator Organa in the beginning of like towards the beginning of the movie, we yeah, get, we get the Force theme mm-hmm. in there. But uh, apart from that, it's just okay. The music the music worked well with the movie, but I. I haven't really listened to it on its own, right. but just from watching it, it was just one of those things. It's like, okay, I remember, I enjoyed it watching it. I can't remember it now. I mean, that could just be a bigger indictment on film scores today overall. I mean, like, sure, you have like Hans Zimmer has his moments, but like a lot of the stuff you could be argue is repeti- re- repetitive when, when it comes to like stuff that's ever since the Dark Knight came out, a lot of score has been very minimalistic and very like trying to ape off that stuff. It's rare that we have a big symphonic score that has light motifs that build off each other and kind of are recognizable themes that John Williams is known for. Like, or you think like, or James Horner when he was still alive, when he was doing stuff for like Star Trek movies or aliens or Titanic is not many composers that today that can do that. Michael Cicchino has done a good job. I think his best score is probably the Incredibles or Ratatouille. And everything, I, Rob. I feel like you haven't spoken up in a while. I feel like I'm hard um, on the mic. No, no, no. It's, don't worry about it. I, I like listening to what you're saying, actually, because you're you're expressing exactly my sentiments. That I think, um, I think this movie is is definitely indicative of most Hollywood music. I know I did watch a documentary of a bunch of famous uh, Hollywood composers, and they they brought up their gripes about the I think referred to as temp music. Yes. And I wonder if it was that same situation where he came in four weeks and they're like. Well, we're using the original score from the movie, so just, like, uh, shuffle it up a bit. Yeah. And, like, who knows if that happened behind the scenes, and he was like, how do I shuffle up Star Wars for four weeks? Like, what am I going to do? While still being my own person. Right. And so it, it could, the guy that, he could have just got trapped in typical Hollywood scoring. Yeah. Actually. Now, like I was saying, Star Wars auction I mentioned before, there are motifs in this score that you hear in New Hope. Like, it leads into it. Like, it's kind of like... This is, like, where the setup is and the payoff's over there. So, Giacchino is obviously a fan of the score and everything like that. I say, give it time, kind of like with the Force Awakens score. Like, Ray's theme was an immediate standout for everybody. Yeah. I'm sure over years we'll probably be able to identify Kylo Ren's theme a little bit more. As well as, like, that's one movie. And, like, Darth Vader did not have his real... He had a theme in A New Hope, but it wasn't until Empire Strikes Back when the Imperial March came to be into fruition where we identified that music with him. We haven't had three movies did yet. Did they use the Imperial March or the bomb, 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 bomb at all during Rogue One? Maybe like, a little bit in the introduction of Darth Vader, but it wasn't like the bombastic version that we no, know No, but of. like, you know, the slow, dark tone I'm one. not too sure. I have to go back and listen to it now. Yeah. But I do not, like, I do not, it does not immediately stand like, oh, yes, at this moment, they had that, they had that, um, they had that piece. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think, like, give it time, I think the score may grow in us. Same thing with the music that's going to come in uh, 8 or 9, mm-hmm. that... Sure, we had years of watching those movies and have those moments with each other. I just hope John uh, John Williams stays alive to, to get, get to, to nine. Yes, I mean like he's old. He's like eighty nine years old. Yeah, and I think he's eighty nine. I don't think he's that old. He's up there. I mean, like that's why he didn't score Spielberg's. He didn't score uh, British Spies because he was doing. Was he doing Force Awakens or was he doing – I think he was scoring this. He was scoring – I think he was scoring Star Wars. That's why he couldn't He's do – He's 84 years old. 84. I was off by five years. Still. You're very cl- Yeah. He's no spring chicken. No. It's like it's hopefully he can – like Stan Lee is giving him the same elixir that he's drinking from and everything like that to keep him alive. It's the elixir from Argentina where I had 
a little bit of uh, the Hulk's blood in it. And it's funny that... Live till 300. And... Go up, well, so, I mean, the good thing is, I guess in theory, they only need John Williams to live another three years because the next one's going to come out next year, and then two years later, it will be the last episode nine, right? Yeah, no, it's coming out this year. Yeah, it's two years. Yeah, so two years. So right? two years, and in theory, They're the, shooting the score should be done way before the film is finished. In well, theory, if usually you're, if you're Disney, you're like John Williams. Here's some score sheets. Maybe, I don't know, work on some things. Yeah, write some ideas and, like, uh, who's your apprentice and everything maybe, like maybe that. Maybe workshops on stuff here. Um, like, like he's written stuff, like, what was it, like, Enio Morricone, like, wrote stuff that was played on set when they were shooting, like, The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, like, as or, like, the harmonica theme, like, for Once Upon a Time in the West, because people needed to react off it. Like, John Williams wrote the five notes and close encounters, like, the boop, 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 mm-hmm. boop. Because people had to react on it on set. So it's not unheard of him writing stuff for the movie to be used while the movie is being shot. I hope that that conversation is being brought up, especially with the passing of Carrie Fisher. Those questions are being asked, like, all right, what do we do to protect ourselves here? Mm-hmm. You're not and, worried about Harrison Ford. No. Unless, we, unless they had an initial idea for flashbacks. Joey, like, uh, I'm back. I'm back. And then you have right of people going like, "How can he be a force? For, how can he have a force ghost?" I'm not going to get into it. No. Um, one last thing, but I'll say about the score, and then I'll move on. Like I've always, I kind of like in my own head, I've always thought Michael Giacchino's diet, John uh, Williams. I just find it ironic he gets to score a Star Wars movie and everything like that. Like I was not in, like his scores, like the last two Star Trek movies, would not too memorable. I enjoyed his first Star Trek score and. I say give this one time. Well, hopefully this one will grow on us like everything else. Now, pros and cons of this movie. What do you think the best parts of it? What do you think the worst aspects of it? We should start. By far the best part of the movie was the climax. Yes. Oh, my God. That was so – the third act was beautifully and brilliantly done. From the pacing to the visuals to the storytelling, it was just awesome. Um, yeah, you, I really, if you think about the uh, ending, you, I really can't complain about really much. Um, I guess credit, but that's about it. Um, but even then, that's like oh, dismissible. Uh, my biggest problem with the movie is the characters because I left the movie really struggling to remember a single person's name. I mean, I, and I've that and really thinking about it, like that was the one thing that I felt hollowed about because it's like I didn't have a personal connection with any of the characters, mm-hmm. and I felt. A little weird about that because it was a good movie, but I just felt like none of the characters were that memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that goes back to my think point, well, idea theory that I heard was that whole thing that maybe the maybe Disney didn't want you to feel too close to these characters because they knew they were gonna, all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a mistake if that was the case because if you had that more emotional connection, like if we actually knew um, Cassian's background, maybe we would have liked him a little bit more. Right. Uh, he was okay. He mm-hmm. went from being a dirty bastard gunning down some dude in, a, in an alleyway to – In the back, no less. Yeah, to not be able to pull the trigger on uh, Jin's father because mm-hmm. he's not a killer. Mm-hmm. But I just, you just gunned down some dude. That's pretty killer-like, dude. <laughs> Even worse than what you're about to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, Donnie, uh, Chirrut, and Baze, uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm somewhat okay with not knowing too much about them because mm-hmm. they were good. 
Jin uh, Urso, we got enough of a background on. Uh, Cassian, we have no idea. And yeah, they just... That was my biggest problem with the movie. It's just, they just felt so hollow, these characters. Like, there's the shell of them. Here, like them. Enjoy them. They're dead. And you're like, okay, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... I think I don't know. I have two minds about this movie. So if I think about it as a as an entirety of a movie, I enjoyed it because I can't deny the fact that I had the dumbest, biggest smile on my face as soon as the ships came out of hyperspace and the music started picking up. I was like, "It's fucking Star Wars, baby!" <laughs> like I can't even say I wasn't happy. Like this, is the, when the gold leader comes in, I was like, "Okay, that's it. This movie's great." But if I was to really think about it, I think the first two thirds of the movie it was just boring to me. Like, I was like, something has got us happen to come along and rescue this movie from itself because of the character problems, and there are a couple really big plot holes that I, I didn't have to look very hard to see. Like, the fact that they were at that big council talking about the Death Star, and there were, no one was trusting Jin, but Cassie Andor was right there, and he saw the Death Star blow up a planet and said nothing. And they were like, how could this thing exist? And Cassian should have been like, hey, hi, I'm General... Cass and Endor, I was there. It blew it up. It's a real thing. Why don't you send scout ship to Jeddah and see if it's still there? It's yeah, not! Exactly. It's like that Like that was a huge hole, and I was like, uh... And then Jin gives a speech, a nobody, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, we no, should. No, we you're should. a convicted criminal, no! <laughs> we should do something. Yes. What? I don't know. Yeah. Going back to your point, that's the whole problem with the whole biggest plot point of Star Wars Episode One, where it's like, okay, the 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 um the Trade Federation has bump like has invaded uh, Naboo. Right. Oh well, we should have someone to investigate that. You had two Jedi's come back to tell you this, and you have to like, no, no, we have to investigate this. So go back and investigate for us, Jedi. It's like. What? Despite the fact that he was sitting there on chance of Alorum's orders, or no, request to go and find out what's going on. The, the Guardians of Peace, you're not going to take their word at the, you're not going to take their word as Bond? Yeah. I mean, but still, that doesn't excuse the fact that it happened, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. But, I, but like I said, I, you know, there was just, I also feel like I had a huge problem with the editing. Something was off about it. Either it was too fast, or, or something. Like, the first... 30 minutes of the movie, I was having a hard time following. I'm like, what the flip is going on? Like, they cut to, like, six different planets. Hence, really that's fast. why, hence why the title cards of yeah. identifying which planet they And were we on. were on the planet. I was like, I guess we're here now. <laughs> now, there was a big reshoot that every movie goes to reshoots. Every right. Hollywood movie does that. So it's not, not, not to, I know, like, every, like, the sky is falling internet. Right. Like, as soon as they, they hear, like, our director fall out, there's reshoots going on, like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, we must call the president. Right. Um... So I was not too upset about that. Do you think that's possibly a result of the reshoots that it doesn't feel like a cohesive whole? I think it had to have been because I saw Suicide Squad, and one of my biggest problems with Suicide Squad is that the editing was terrible. Mm -hmm. And I heard that they took a pretty big scalpel to a lot of the movie. Yeah. And so I saw a lot of the same patterns, and I'm like, I wonder if there's someone leaning over the editor, and it's just like, eh, cut that out. There's a reason why is because they – you saw the first Comic-Con trailer and it had a very serious and dark tone. Right. And then they had a trailer. There were companies called Trailer Houses that do specifically that. They just cut the movie to make a trailer. Mm-hmm. And that's when they, you had that first, like, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody trailer that came right, out right. and everything. And there was such a positive reaction to that. So they hired the Trailer House to cut a version of the movie. And 
that's why you had a lot of the pop music and everything kind of feel a little disjointed because they were not there in the beginning. They did not have a certain, they were going from a different tone completely compared to how the original editors were. Yeah, and then they was kind of like, which is really a shame because I, I, I agree with you. I'll go to bat for Suicide Squad. I thought there was a better – and it's, it's just I think maybe it's the exact same thing I say ever Rogue One. There is a better movie in there somewhere. Right. There's – you know, maybe it's a, somewhere along all the criticism we mentioned. But to me, this is a movie that it, it took all the right steps, but it just didn't take it far enough. And that if maybe you did some slight tweaks, you could really make this movie shine. I mean – it was in, if you were going to put it into baseball terms, it was probably a it's probably a single when it should have been a uh, should have been like a double or a triple. Yeah, it was a base like you just got stuck. At, you just got you didn't want to go past first base here. Yeah, you saw the ball going and you had time, but you're just going to play it safe. You're like I'm yeah. going to stop right here. Yes, and uh, going to my pros, I'm like I enjoyed the story. I thought the movie looked beautiful. Uh, I, I, I feel like the tactiles, the pro, the production design of it, everything just felt so real. It felt like it was Star Wars nineteen seventy seven. It felt yes. like it felt like that's the same world. It definitely seemed like oh, like this is exactly what it would like, and it's on a bigger and grander scale. They hammered home the whole idea of lived in future. Yes, and I, and I oh, love yeah. that. I mean, like, did you ever play Alien Isolation? That's like one of my biggest regrets. I've heard that's excellent. I've seen the footage, like the the way that they get the CRT monitors, yes, right and stuff. Like the, that's that's that's, awesome. that, that's one thing I, I loved about that game was like yeah. it was like oh because everything just felt so real and like Alien being a byproduct of Star Wars and everything like right, they definitely right, right. because every other sci-fi movie before that looked like 2001. So right. and everybody wanted to look like that lived-in world, and I love the fact that Rogue One kept that kind of aesthetic. Um, I enjoyed. Um, the camaraderie of the characters once they were all on the same page and everything like that. I do admit that one of the biggest cons of this movie is that the characters are kind of lacking. And the plot is, like, kind of rather simple, but like you were saying, needlessly complicated at times. Mm-hmm. Now, a man on a mission yeah. story is like, we're here, we got to get there, here are the op- and there's going to be obstacles along the way. That's fine. It's... Amongst those obstacles, that's where you get to have your character moments. That's why I enjoy Suicide Squad. That's why the Dirty Dozen works. That's why the Guns of Navarone work. It's because you have, like, all right, this is the objective we have to go to, and how each individual person reacts to those kind of obstacles, and they express themselves. That's what makes those movies memorable. It's not the, like, Dirty Dozen's like, oh, yeah, remember they had to go in that chateau and they had to uh, pretty much get those plans and then they blow the place up? Like, no, you don't care about that. You care about the training montage of all them, like Donald Sutherland, Ernest Borgnine, and everybody, and Lee Marvin becoming friends and stuff like that in The Dirty Dozen because it's their character moments. That should have been the case here, except it was the inverse. The plot was the primary concern here and the characters were kind of fell by the wayside slightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, 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 but like, even I had to, like, I admit, like, all right, what was that guy's name? And I'm, I usually am pretty good with that, like, knowing, remembering people's names and stuff like that. But even I was like, all right, that's, like, I, I even questioned, like, should I go see this movie again before we do this review? And, yeah. and weirdly enough, Force Awakens, I saw three times in the theater. Mm-hmm. I saw this once in the theater. I presume you guys only saw it once, too? Yeah, I saw it once. Once. I wanted to see it a second time. Yeah, but you, but you never took the plunge to go see it again. Like, is that a, fault in the movie that didn't like you didn't like oh I need to go see it again I mean I absolutely loved Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and I wanted to see that again but I didn't 
No, that was that was that was you took the plunge to go. You just the the place is sold out. Yeah. That, okay, that's true. So like that. that Fair was not, point. That that, Fair that point. was that was against um, the movie forces did. against your will yeah. at that point. Yeah. No. Um. Maybe it was against the movie. Like the rewatch value is just not quite there. But I don't know. I mean, I'm probably I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. I'm yeah. definitely going to watch it when I first get on Blu-ray. Yeah, I'll let, I guess I'll just find out if it has that rewatchability, like mm. Force Awakens does. Force Awakens, Empire Strikes Back does. Yeah, yeah. And, and I do agree, like you were saying before, like this is a one-off. They could have gone anywhere, and like, sure, you can have your baton pass off, literally pass off from here to A New Hope, and they did not pull the trigger. They have pulled the trigger. Yeah. Yes, have, they, have they, they, yeah, they, they they totally did not go balls out for it, and they should have. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it begs the question: since this is such a success of them being trepidatious of on with two movies, I'm does it, for Han Solo? Now. Yeah, I'm very nervous now, especially because the two act the leading actors they're great, great actors. Yeah, you had you had um, I forget the guy's name was playing uh, Han Solo and, and Woody Harrelson. What? And Donald Glover isn't he playing? Uh, uh, Lando Calrissian, yeah. He, uh, and then we have Woody Harrelson as the guy who's like his mentor to Han Solo, mm-hmm. based on the the Han Solo trilogy of books, starting with the Paradise Snare, which is something I uh, will eventually cover down the road once we get through uh, the Thrawn trilogy, because we have no fucking lives. I am looking forward to this. <laughs> it's it's actually a really good series of books. I know, but I hate all of you. Uh, that's okay. I accept that. Hey, once we're done with Harry Potter, we're going to do the Hunger Games. You, uh, Nikki, and I. We're doing the Hunger Games? Why not? Oh. Those books are not good, man. You want to do Lord of the Rings first? I'd rather. The books of works. I know. They're so bad. <laughs> I'd rather do the Lord. I'm halfway through. I'm still halfway through Two Towers. I made zero progress on it. It's like I already after the Battle of Helm's Deep, and it's just like I can't. I'm not. I haven't moved. Tolkien was not an author. He was a linguist. Yeah, he's, he was not a storyteller. He's a world builder. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like if you ask Nikki to read the Lord of the Rings books, we're gonna be we we're gonna be waiting for a while. No. Um, or she'll kill herself to finish these books because she she's gonna pick up the Fellowship of the Rings and has to go for the, through the first 250 pages of just nothing but bullshit. It's true. Yeah. Was it that or like all right fine do you want like I know we're, we're this is like devolving into our pre-production for a future podcast but would you rather that or or how about that we we do uh Narnia? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. What? Do, you what, what, how do, do you su- whatever you guys want. How I'll... do you want to sum up on uh, the Narnia movies? Christianity. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Jesus. Um, Lion Jesus. Yeah. I, I do want to make two two um, parting comments about Rogue One. First of all, I think the pilot, I think he, he got robbed of his death. He was yeah. just like chilling and Grenade shows up and kills him. I was like, that kind of sucks. It's like, really? I was like, that kind of sucks for that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he got robbed. Everyone else had a cool death, and it's just like, oh, you happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's like, turns out war sucks. And it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Life sucks, then you die. Thanks, I Get guess. Get a fucking helmet. Yeah. Um, There's another thing I was going to say, but I forgot. But yeah, I, I just, I, I felt bad for that pilot. He got robbed of a good scene. Yeah. Good death scene. All right, two, two last comments, really. Um, One, what the fuck was up with the octopus? 
the mind-reading octopus that was there. He read the mind of the thing. But how does... How does, uh, what's his face, Forrest Whitaker get the Sorry, knowledge bro. from the octopus? He inks him. That, does he, does the octopus have to ten- tentacle him as well to share the knowledge? Is, like, is, is the octopus and, a conduit at that point? And, and they're like, oh, I'll bring, uh, the only side effect about the octopus this man is perfect in insanity. <laughs> It's like, okay, you've been touched way too many times by this thing. And the pilot wasn't permanently insane afterwards. No, but like you said, it's possible. It's, uh, it was just like, then why bring it up? To add the threat of the yes. of the Pepto-Bismol colored octopus? <laughs> It'd be funny if like, that pilot just acted like Daffy Duck when he gets so worked up. And it's like, woo-woo-woo-woo! Like, the, the pilot's just on edge for the rest of the movie. The, how hilarious that would have yeah, been. Yeah, but, okay. And uh, my second thing is, you know how there was so many, like, commercial tie-ins? With uh, Rogue Oh, one. yeah, with, like, like, the, 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 like, the Nissan Rogue. Yes. Just because it, the fucking name of the car is the same thing as a movie. Yes. Uh, whatever. Uh, I just thought about just talking to you. They could have tied in a Verizon commercial easily. They did. They could have tied in another Verizon commercial to this movie. Um, you know how then they're trying to send the uh, the plants up to the, the, the whatever, the battleship? Yeah. Um, and it's taking so, like, it takes forever. It's like, oh. The Rebels have T-Mobile. If they had Verizon like the Empire, those plans would have been in, it with, in their hands within seconds. <laughs> that would have spoiled what ha- would it would It would have. You could but... have had Stormtroopers instead. What? You could have just had Stormtroopers uh, bearing down on them, not Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah? Um, well, so what I was going to say is that I think, uh, I just think that the end, like, all the steps, then the hoops they had to jump through at the end to send the message, I was like, what kind of like Rube Goldberg machine are they making here? <laughs> like, this is like I can't. Like, could you imagine the Imperial engineers that are designing this system? And they're like, I'm confused. What is, who is this protecting? <laughs> Ourselves. From whom? Ourselves. Yeah. Start. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that any, any time a big the... claw machine too to pick up the right <laughs> tape. <too? laughs> could you go? Goodbye, my friends. I'm off to a better place. Yeah. Like a little, it should have had a little green men in there. Uh, <laughs> I cannot wait for Cinemasins. Cinemasins better make that joke when yeah. they do Rogue One. Uh, but I do also think that any time that the Death Star showed up over a planet, it was ominous. Yes. yes. To see that thing in the sky. That was, like, you see it, like, rotate towards the planet. Like, that was cool. Or then when it, it causes an eclipse yes, at one point. yes. This is very effective. All right. Yeah, so do you still recommend people to go see this movie? Yeah. Yeah, you should go see it. Yeah, I still say go see it. It has its flaws, but it doesn't take away that it is still an entertaining movie. Good. And if you're going to go see it and you're, like, pissed off at the, like, if you don't want to, then just go see it for the third act. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. The the third act is worth the price of admission, for sure. To me, it saved the movie. Yeah. So. Um... All right, how do we rank the movies now? Oh, fuck. No, 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 no. Let's wait, no. For, Let's wait uh, for the next trilogy. I'm going to make a, com- a completely non, uh, non-offensive non statement and just say, oh, it's, well, it's not a titular title, therefore it's in its own separate track. We'll see where it ranks above or below Han Solo. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, that's a cop-out answer, but I will take it right now. The movie did not include the Skywalker family, therefore it is incompatible to the actual storyline and therefore sits Outside of the universe, and Disney just soaks his big fat black cock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was like this. 
Uh, anyway, I hope everybody's enjoyed this view of Star- uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, if you want to follow us on social media and hear our ranting and ravings and uh, our hooting Andy continuing, to go to where can they find you? You can find me uh, pretty much just two places. DWDrawings.DeviantArt.com, where you can see- check out all my drawings and some of my reviews on there. Or you could go to my blog site, uh, which I'm pulling up the name of because I can never remember it. Something at Blogspot. Comic binge at Blogspot. <laughs> No, Cartoonbinge.blogspot.com. Cartoon binge. Oh, yeah, I do it. The re- latest review of Cowboy Bebop is oh, up. Read it. Do it. <laughs> I, I will. T- I'm going to tag you in that right now, then. Yeah, it's on Facebook already. Are you guys We're not friends Facebook friends. Yeah, we are. Aren't we? Are we? I added you to tell you about the video. And I think I added. Yes, you, you did. Yeah. I'm an asshole. Yes, you are. That goes beside the point. I, I, it's Facebook. I, I'm not offended. <laughs> I feel horrible. You really shouldn't. I put no stock in it. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> it does not bother you. No, it doesn't bother I, I, me. I'm going to wait for the day. I'm going to text like one of you guys like, hey, you guys want to hang out? Like, no, I'm hanging with Dakota. Like, oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> Cheating on it. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm like, fine. I'll just, I'll just go fuck myself then. Um, um, yeah, you know, I just talked about how much I don't care about social media, but the only place you can find me is on Facebook. Uh, it's Robert Effinger. I am current, my current Facebook picture, I have a Brooklyn Lager cup in my in my mouth because there's a lot of robert effingers it turns out um that's it for now i'm trying trying to work on some other stuff but that's not for here if you want to follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at timothy rooney 2 you can follow this podcast anything goes at ginger geek pod on twitter uh, on twitter you can follow me on on instagram at t rooney 1012 my facebook and youtube page on the same banner of through the lens productions where my next short film or like kind of like short video of PSA battery safety will be going up very soon, and which Dakota helped me out with, which I hope you'll like. Hello! And as well as other stuff that will be coming down the pipeline very soon. Like I said, hope everybody enjoyed this review podcast of Rogue One. Guys, thank you for taking a part of it. No problem. Anytime. Dope. And don't worry, our next Star Wars podcast will be coming a lot soon. You would not have to wait. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> it's gonna be. I'm just gonna be like getting a message like I'm being hit on by this cowgirl, but Thrawn is doing this. I'm like, all right, you're in Texas, and you have your priorities are kind of mixed up there, buddy. I mean, I really want to go to this honky tonk with this girl in these really short, short, short. I don't even know if you can call them jean shorts at this point. <laughs> but Thrawn is fucking with the Republic. I don't know <laughs> what to do. <laughs> uh, it has one of my favorite mysteries in the third book of how. How Thrawn's getting his information. That uh, that part I love. Yeah, the uh, Delta, Delta Delta Force. Delta Force Delta or Delta Source? Delta Source. That's what it is. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I love. I just love that. Anyway, all right. Three, two, one.